right? Everyone's take was so whack after this series because everyone's take went like this. They were all like, wow, ha, bet Cloud9 wishes they had LS now, right? Based on the things I know about that situation, that thought never went through their brain once. Here was what they actually thought, and it's going to hurt a lot of your feelings. What they actually thought was this, shit, imagine how much worse it would have gone if we'd kept LS. That's what they were thinking, Monty. I'll tell you right now. We're here for another episode of Summoning Insight. Me and Monty have returned. Of course, if the show returns, that means the sponsors return. And we are, of course, sponsored by Esports Bet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. And if you wanted to bet, I would recommend Esports Bet. And you can get up to $200. Oh, no, it's the other way around. You get a 50% deposit bonus on up to $200. If you use our link, though, so that means if you're on Twitch right now, uh, is there a command to actually get the link? There's a box below. You can click on oh, it. Oh, it's on the same. The There's a box on Twitch. And obviously, if you're watching the YouTube video, it will be in the description box. Click Correct. that link and that, that way you'll get the deposit bonus. Now, speaking of bets, over to Monty to make one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, I think, kick off the conversation with LPL because there's obviously the last two LPL matches that are coming up this week. And when Raz gets on, we'll start talking about LCS. These are the only leagues that are active as at the current time. So... Very curiously, we do see a pretty, I, I mean, I would say a slight advantage here to V5 in spite of the fact that they did lose to top esports in a best of five earlier in these playoffs. Now, there's lots of ways you can go about this. Should V5 have won this series? Yes. Most people have, would say so. <laughs> well, they should have won game three. They lost a flip at Baron when they were up 2-0 and ended up losing this game. Um, and top ended up coming back. I think V5, I think this match is hard to predict. In fact, I think the rest of the games in the LPL are difficult to predict because all of the teams have very serious flaws. And to me, it's whichever team gets their shit together the fastest is the, is going to win this because I think it's really identifiable what some of these team faults are. Um, and so when we look at this match in particular, I do think V5 is, is going to win this. So... I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do do this. <laughs> Basically, DJT. <laughs> until the playoffs, like most people who watch the LPL had V5 as the best team, no matter what the placing was in the league. Like they just looked like the best squad. People don't know rookies back in amazing MVP as format for uh, form. He obviously did, in fact, win the MVP again. But the key thing is, and the cool thing about the LPL at this point in time is, like each team, like Monty says, I actually think that's a traditional holdout of the way the LPL works. Every LPL team in history always has an enormous obvious flaw, but then an enormous obvious strength. And if you play to the strength yes. it can work that, that's what i always love it's like europe europe and it, is China to it me. makes it fun to talk They're about the regions that just they just lean into their sort of idiosyncrasies they don't try to mask them or be more polished they don't even try to but yet yeah, the logic is china has so many great players you can make it work and if people haven't noticed perfect timing the best three mid laners in the lpl are going to contest the title Zhao, who's waiting in the final he's back at mid lane if people don't know knight obviously is going to play now against rookie again like this is actually a fucking awesome setup if you're a fan of the lpl these are the best teams these are the ones you want to watch play hey fuck man even if you're not a fan of the lpl like you should definitely watch the new best sure. the two best of fives in the lpl because even though they have been pretty flawed games i would say and they've kind of been fiestas they've been incredibly entertaining fiestas so uh the best of fives that have been happening have been already good 
it will be fun to watch these matches. So you should definitely check them out later this week, whether you do it live or, or in the VOD format. Um, they are going to be incredibly the impactful. Though, I will say, I'm with you, Monty. If I actually had to pick, I would take V5 on that matchup. I wouldn't take top. And one of the reasons why is if no one's watched top this split, like I don't even know how fucking Tian got signed to top esports because I would never have signed that player after last year in FPX. Like he, he is like, it's a it's microcosm okay. now. The problem he has is this, mate. He either carries the game or completely yeah. feeds like a shitter. He has no yeah. in between. And there's a jungler. Like I think people have watched the LEC show. No, I like stable junglers like Yankos, mate, where I know what I'm going to get through every game this guy's a nightmare like he could totally you could win worlds with him as he did but he could also just he could do an fpx last year that's a perfect example money he went to worlds one time he was arguably the mvp he went to worlds another time he was fucking garbage wasn't he like yeah. that is tian in a nutshell i don't know this guy's the biggest coin flipper of all time it's mental yeah all right so thank you esports bet head on over there you can play for free with djt which is their token um if you join their discord and message mod mail you can get even more DJT just to have fun with. Uh, we've been doing watch parties with them as well. We will do a watch party for the LCS finals coming up this weekend also. So you can enjoy that if you're on with us. We usually do the first game on Twitch and then we head over to the Esports Bet Discord to do audio only watch parties, depending on whether Discord dies or not. We could continue it on Twitch, etc. cetera. Uh, but it's been really fun and you guys can play along. Send us any good tickets that you guys have, any cool parlays you make that do well and we can take questions and uh, feature those. So that's it. Thank you. We're going to talk about the LPL now uh, in a little more depth because this matchup, uh, we'll use these odds as a kicking off point because people will be like, well, top one. But it's really about how top one. Uh <laughs> and also, spoiler, if people didn't see the other series, top was fucking terrible in the RNG series. Like, actually, they're looking real trouble, mate. So so the, the weird thing is about this matchup is that in the previous matchup, V5 should have won 3-0. And in the top versus RNG matchup, top should have won all four games. Like they had substantial advantages in every single game. Yep. So we're looking at teams that were very throwy. Yes, it's um, really messy League of Legends, really messy. <laughs> really messy. And like on the V5 side, so we talked about kind of distinct identities for each of these teams. You notice Tian, you know, will is he, feast or famine 100%. Um, on V5 side, one of their big problems is PP God has been really kind of bad on all champions that are not Leona in the playoffs. So he's four and one on Leona in these playoffs, and he's one and three on all other champions. He has one and one on Renata Glask, and he lost his Rakan and Tom Kench games. And the problem with V5 is they've literally never seen a fight they didn't like. So they will fight anything, but they'll fight things with like Tom Kench and Renata too early on in the game. So they'll lose early skirmishes around Dragon. So it's like they don't understand how to really plan for objective fights or timings. And I think like for me, that's V5's biggest weakness right now. And I think they need to pivot back towards PP God being on kind of hard CC tanky engaged supports, which they did to their credit uh, when they played their their second series um, in the playoffs. When they played against JDG, I think they looked a lot better. Uh, so that gives me hope. And that also th makes me think they have momentum. Meanwhile, top esports is such an enigma right now because... They go into this series versus RNG. RNG doesn't look particularly good. Way has been. Oh, you're not about the other match. Yeah, yeah, right? that's okay, the yes, upper bracket yeah. final. So, right. yeah, RNG and top versus top. Way was is terrible right now. He is 
if you give him an early game jungler, he will literally just int into the other team. So I think first off, RNG has to make sure Wei is on a scaling jungler because he he will actually just hurt his team by being on early game junglers for the most part. Um, and then what's so insane to me is that top managed to lose these games in really different ways, like really different ways. In game two, Knight is has five kills. He's like 5-0-3 at like eight minutes into this game. And he ends the game at 31 minutes with five kills. He does nothing for the entirety of this game. He doesn't use his advantage, like his big advantage on Rise, to play side lanes. He doesn't try and create picks in the side lanes by using Rise Ultimate to get there faster, to use that mobility. And instead, they kind of play this short-range composition and low-mobility composition into an RNG comp that is 100% absolutely able to deal with that in team fights. This is the dream game for Gwen. Um, you're, you're dealing with a low-mobility AD carry, on Aphelios, you're able to chew through the front line very effectively um, with Gwen Ultimate and Autos. And like, it is a great game to, you know, I haven't liked Gwen a lot, but Gwen is really, really good in RNG's composition. And Top Esports doesn't even recognize that, doesn't try and play for picks instead. They try and play for these short range like fights and they just get eaten alive. Um, there's really no way for them to kill the Jinx. It's a total disaster. So they read the composition wrong and they're unable to create the picks because Knight's playstyle is mostly team fighting. Like he's about flanking and positioning, not necessarily about playing the map. Um, if people were listening to the watch party we did yesterday for LCS, this is what I was referring to where someone tried to clap back on Peter Don for a tweet on Twitter. But Peter Don's tweet was about exactly this topic, was about the idea that, like, essentially, after watching all of the Knight teams over the years, he thinks Knight just doesn't know how to play sidelines, essentially, or hasn't been coached into it or something. Because I agree, Monty. Like, if you look how strong this guy is and how mechanically good he is, like... Like, normally you'd have to fight the mid lane and not to want to fucking go in the side lane and just get more powerful and take over the game. Like, this guy just <laughs> doesn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Do it. It's just weird. If, if you want to see the dichotomy of night, guys, the best two examples from this last week are uh, Tops Game 3 versus V5 in the best of five that happened last week, where he plays a Akali. And you see how good he is at flanking, how good he is at team fighting, and how he absolutely wins that game on a Akali. He's like VTO kind of in that way, right? He's playing not necessarily the most meta champions, but he's able to do so much from a solo perspective. And then the the other dichotomy is game two, uh, when, he's, when he's playing against RNG, and you're looking at these scenarios where... Uh, Oh, my stream went down. Sorry, guys. I was streaming this window. Hold on. We pull that back up so the windows aren't fucked up. Uh, you're dealing with these scenarios where um, he just won't use his lead to play into the side lanes to create picks. But that's not the only way that top loses, which is what's so crazy about these games. Like they lose on a Baron flip in one of the games later in the RNG series that was really just completely unnecessary. Um, in the final game of the series, they dive into the base and try and end the game way too early when they can double back and try and play around the Baron. So there are a lot of Baron flips that top has been doing as well. And V5 have been doing, it's been really sloppy league of legends over, over in LPL. And even though there are some really impressive mechanical plays, uh, and I don't know, perhaps this is because they're playing from home now. So it feels a little bit more scrimmy, but it's been, it's been kind of rough in these playoffs. And like, if you look at RNG, their early game typically hasn't been incredible overall. I mean, we talked about way just 
he he's had some clutch plays. I mean, certainly like some Baron steals or some really good like objective contests, especially in the final game where he like comes in on the lease in on the Elder Dragon and then immediately uses stopwatch in order to like bait out the the Nar ult and get them to all cluster by the side of the wall where Gala just ults them on Aphilios and uses blue gun for immense AOE damage and like wins the game basically. So there have been good plays from way, but they're not in the early game. So it's RNG has been pretty weak overall early top esports has been finding very creative ways to lose very one games. They, like I said, they should have won all four games in the series in the upper bracket. Um, and then you look on the side of V5, and they're not very disciplined about how they take fights early, and PP God is kind of one-dimensional. So, like I said, whoever fixes these issues or whoever plays into their strengths, I think, is is going to win these playoffs. But it is I even really give you a good reason as to why I think all these teams have flaws. Because here's what's crazy about the LPL. The LPL doesn't, as far as I know, run on any kind of like salary cap. It's not even as far as I know, soft salary cap. But you would think this was an American franchise sport. This is like the dream of the American franchise sports owner. Every org has a couple of amazing players, a couple of pretty yep. good players, and a couple of bad players. As in, even the three teams we're talking about now, fans, if you haven't watched the LPL, they have like players where you're like, how is he on this team like what the fuck like he isn't even close to the best in his role every one of these teams has that and that has also been a bizarre hallmark of the LPL because in the same way as in Korea you get that weird opposite phenomenon where like a godlike player will just sit as the sub behind another good player but not play actively even though he could have a whole career on like the third best team in the LPL it goes the other way and you just get people watched on the team where it's like like if you're rookie it's like do I ever get to have like a great support in my whole career my whole career I had Hachani the fucking Bowlan, I can't even remember that fucking guy from like, like Southwind or whatever. I can't remember the way around it was. Like, mate, this guy just never gets it. Like, what the fuck? And he never have a support his whole career. He plays in the league with Ming and Mako, like the greatest supports ever. He just never gets them on his team. So, like, all these teams are flawed as fuck, mate. Like, the RNG squad, I don't even know how this team's in the final. If you looked at that roster on paper at the beginning of the split, you'd be like, there's no way they're in the final. So, by the way, there's one thing I've got to say right now. As far they as I'm mega concerned, bad too. mate, Zhaohu is the perks <laughs> of the LPL because here's the thing he never looks like the god pure positional player but he's so fucking good at winning games mate the guy just knows what to do in game situations yeah I, I mean RNG is really like you know the way they win games is they they scale I mean they, they kind of transcend their early game and they draft compositions that are very difficult to beat in the late game um, I mean we saw that I think their drafts have been good, uh, to be fair to RNG. Like, even though it was kind of debilitating early on, the fact that they had this Lulu and Aphilios in the final game did make it difficult for Top to close. And I don't want to make it seem like Top just threw that game because there was more or less a timer on that game, I feel. And people are ignoring, like, the late game strength of RNG's composition and how difficult... Like, Top felt desperate to end the game, which is why they dove the base. Um, but they could have also, I think... I think the better plan for them given their strong turn and engage was to play around a Baron and try and turn there instead of they missed a lot of CC by diving into the base. So I don't think that was the best way to do it, but I do think that the idea was right, that they needed to force something and, and try and end in that game because it was getting really precarious for them overall. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think they, they play very effectively around their bot lane, like all and Ming. And as long as way is not, completely feeding his face off in the early game, I, I think they do better. But 
top, I think, was also smart. Like they they ban away the Viego, which I would definitely want if I was RNG. Um, I think it's screen went again. Yeah, I'd just yeah, leave yeah. it off and tell them to fix the cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can just fix that. I told you this is actually what I was talking about yesterday, but it doesn't matter. It's all good. You'll learn. You'll learn. <laughs> What's we'll so, to do with the Sith way? You'll just learn the hard way. It's, it's it's because it's because I'm looking at stats right now and I don't have the I don't have the tab open. Um so yeah, I, I mean I think I think when we look at this, um when we look at this playoffs, it's really, really difficult to predict as a result. Um and I actually don't I think V5 if they play for an early game advantage in bot lane will be able to win this playoffs. I think we saw them transition to that in the in their last best of 5 uh versus JDG and so they give me the most hope that these flaws will be fixed immediately. The thing for me is like essentially V5 has to get the fuck out of rookies way and let him carry. If they do that they can win the whole LPL. That's fine. I'd have V5 as the number one team to win. Number two, I would actually take RNG because like as I said, like they just managed to they don't even look at the best team. They just win games. Like I like teams that are like that. Like they just know what they're doing. They know how to play around the weaknesses. Top is the one that is completely a coin flip to me. They could be absolute shit and come third, or they could win the whole thing just by... Knight could be the MVP and pop off in all the fights. He could win the whole match. But for me, I think they're the, the variable one. Like, I don't... I can't I can't rely on anything about top, basically. Like, I can't even tell you which players are going to play well, mate. I, I, look, I think that Rookie has also been pinched a lot in the champion pool, where if if the rest of V5 is more threatening and especially the bot lane is more threatening, like they should have their pick. Like they can play Leona every game because Rookie is drawing four bands in some of these games. He's drawing four bands. This is another problem I have with this as well, Monty, is he's had the same coach the whole time. This coach might be one of the worst drafting coaches to ever be like a championship level coach I've ever seen. They used to be famous about the 2020 version of top that they used to even say themselves, like, yeah, I don't even know how we get these drafts. Like, we just, we just win anyway. Like, they just won by mechanics in their brain. Like, so I don't, I've never understood the way they drafted for him personally. So I don't really know. What, well, it, it also makes me wonder if he has a different philosophy for the game as well. And they just didn't on the same page. Some I mean, I mean, listen to, listen to some of these bands thor and like when v5 is on blue side top is 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 on red side and top is banning ari oriana Syndra, galio or ari oriana galio and leblanc like you can't absorb four red side bands and like not be able to figure out how to make your other lanes win oh like rookie rookie is too good it's crazy i mean he is the best oriana player in the history of this game and he was showing that in the first game you watch between v5 and top esports you see why they have to ban oriana he is literally drawing pocket bans on when when they're on blue side which is like where all the power picks go anyway yeah, yeah. so you know it's only like zeri that's being banned there you saw when they weren't banning multiple mid laners that v5 was able to win the first couple of games um, even when he was drawing like three mid lane bands in the in the second game. And it was only after we see like all of these bands coming through for for rookie that they're that, you know, top esports is finally able to get a hold on these games. Um, but I think it was also the way they were. I think Tom Kench and Jinx is not for you, V5. I think you play aggressively in the bot lane. I would love to see, uh, you know, some more misfortune. Um, you know, even the Ezreal Leona was like, okay um anything with leona for pp god i hope pp god can play karma that would be great for them uh so there are other lanes that i think can can actually you know do things if they're drafted for properly but i think they're figuring it out they looked a lot better versus jdg 
by the way, people who are going to try and ride the narrative about Rich, like the, the faker of hearts, like he's being carried right now. Just calm down. Like he actually had a good split, but in the playoffs, he, he hasn't been fucking stomping anyone. Don't worry about that. I, I, it hasn't been his job really, though, either. And yeah, I think he has been, he's been fine, but not. Look what he plays. It makes sense. Like he's, it's, it's the sort of top line you'd expect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, he it's hasn't. Fine. Yeah, he's fine. Um, it's all about rookie. That's what's cool about these three teams, boys. For real, whoever wins, their mid laner probably was the best. That's what's actually so great. It's because it's so flawed. It's like just let fucking let's just have the three go in the arena, and it will decide between Jamu, rookie, and Knight who is the best. And hopefully, like luckily in the LPL, you're gonna get the fights. You're never gonna have those games where you're just not playing at all. So you can have your chances. Let's see who wins. It's right up in the air for me. I, I've seen some really weird things that I think I've never seen in LoL before this week. Like the the fact that EG won a best of five 3-0 with only taking one dragon. Don't think we've ever seen oh, a best of five be won with only taking one dragon before. The RNG versus top match. I don't think I've ever seen a team win 3-1 while theoretically losing all four games. That is also oh, wild. Even, yeah, even when that happens, usually yes. it's like a 3-2. The fact that it was yes. a 3-1 is really weird. Um. Yeah, it's 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 been an it's been an interesting playoff run around the world. Uh, but this is all to say too is like I can't tell if this is all like players playing like scrims because they're online, and if this would be a significantly better match if they were in person, or it'd be a significantly tighter match. Uh, but in their current form, all of these teams would get wrecked by T1. There, there's there's no way I think that in this current form that the LPL teams would be able to compete with the current iteration of T1. Which I think is a, I think even Dom said that as well, who's seen like all the games from the problem I have is, is the players I need to be really good for the LPL if I want to destroy T1, in my opinion, is I want Top and Jungle to be amazing. And unfortunately, that isn't these teams that we're looking at right now. Like, bizarrely, again, like the great top laners aren't on these bloody teams, boys. I mean, Bin's pretty good or was in the past. Like, but if you look at all the best, like, that's the thing. The talent again got spread out in the offseason of people. It's all about mid laners right now. So here's the thing these teams, some of them could have an advantage in mid lane, but. That wouldn't be enough to beat the the whole machine of T1, obviously. What about this then? Do you want to talk about, about LEC? Let's talk about LEC. So in LEC, basically, it's just the the rumours. So the good news is this. It does actually seem for real. It wasn't just last year with the Abadar Gator under Thieves. It looks like, actually, between the two splits is going to become a mini off-season and that teams actually are going to make these moves where... when Because I think the same pattern's going to play out. Here's my prediction, Monty. What happened this year with Jizuke, Jensen, Niski, fucking Mickey X, like all these players who are all obviously LEC slash LCS capable players in fact if they're on your team they're probably going to be your better player if not your star player what will happen is the same thing will happen every year in my opinion these team these players won't get the offers they want from the bad teams they will wait and then one or two of them each time will be gambled on as the sort yeah. of like breaking case of emergency if you want to go to worlds that's the analogy you know so if you are mad lions of course you're going to go ham to try and get niski if he's available these sorts of players of course if you're vitality and you've just had that split I'd be looking to get El Yoya from Mad Lions if he's available, mate. It'd be an obvious move to make. Similarly, I'm sure Humanoid is already asking for the El Yoya fucking train to come to his station again, as he had in the past with Mad Lions. So the major moves basically seem to surround... It's Fnatic might kick Razork, maybe they get El Yoya, or does El Yoya 
because he does perks, set fucking fire up the bobble bath and get the hot tub going and he joins Vitality. By the way, interesting hypothetical right there. Who do you go with if you want to win with? Do you go with perks? Do you go with humanoid? That's a tough one, actually, I think, after the way these playoffs went. Then you've got the whole story, which is if all these people potentially can go to a Vitality, it's what happens to Razork from Fnatic? What happens to Southmade from Vitality? Like The actual implications of even one of these moves will be there'll be two or three moves across the league. And these are moves where, like I characterise them, these are gambles to go to Worlds. These aren't just like get a tiny bit better. Like this is the gamble where it's like maybe, I, and in fact, especially after the way these playoffs went. Here's the other good news, by the way. If you saw the way these playoffs went and you're every team that isn't G2, you're like, dude, we're all right there. Like, let's make the fucking move. Let's go for everything. So I think this is actually a pretty interesting set of potential moves because I could see some of these moves actually making these teams a potential contender, you know. Like the mad one to me immediately makes that team interesting in a way it wasn't so interesting before. I also think that, well, it depends on whether, I mean, there's so many factors, right? If if El Yoya stays with Mad Lions and Niski joins Mad Lions, I think that's really interesting because I think Niski actually does very well with kind of following his junglers and he's always been more of a supportive mid laner. Um, and then it, I think it'll come down to, you know, whether Armit is is going to have like broaden his champion pool and be more of the carry that he was previously, but I think the mid it fixes a lot of the the kind of mid jungle synergy problems. Reeker was was just not good, guys. He's just not good. <laughs> a lot of people were trying to defend him, but he's he's not. And he's he was not just clearly not humanoid. So you, even if he'd been <laughs> like better than he was, like it, w it wouldn't have mattered in this case, you know. Yeah, and and I think there are other questions too, such as you know, Excel is. Vitality has a lot of money, guys. I mean, I th that should be clear from anybody who's been paying attention to their transfers, which means that, you know, there is there are these certain possibilities, such as there could be a shuffle, for example, if El Yoya goes to Fnatic, then there's the possibility that Razork goes to Vitality and maybe they buy out Mickey X as well. Uh, they could certainly do that. I think Excel would sell Mickey X under the right circumstances. Right money, um, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for the right money. If if Vitality is very serious about fixing some of these issues, because I think that early game planning and early game jungle synergy and support jungle synergy have been their biggest issues. Now, maybe you don't replace both the support and the jungler. No, I, I would. I would. I, would I think that would be amazing <laughs> if you did that. If you make that move tomorrow, that's a potential LEC champion right there. Yeah, I would. I would do that uh, for sure. Um, you know it. Again, it depends on how much these teams want to spend. It's possible that Mad Lions, because it's been their history, they try and, you know, take another crack at an up-and-coming mid laner, and then they decide to sell uh, El Yoya, and then if maybe there's a world where El Yoya and Kaiser, like, go somewhere together. That's a possibility, too. Um, or maybe they get Razork the other way if, if El Yoya goes to Fnatic and they work with Razork in Mad Lions. Could be that world, yeah. too, right? I don't think Perks goes to Fnatic because I don't think Vitality is going to be willing to sell them. I think they have enough money that they'll want to take a crack at fixing this Oh, no, I meant Phil Yoya goes to Fnatic. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, They yeah. just okay, take yeah, Razork yeah. in return and work with him. He's a good player yeah. still. You could, you could do something with him, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what exactly Mad Lions does because they still... They still have some good pieces. The um, biggest one is this, because the other move I didn't mention, and think how rare this ever happens, Monty. Dude, the fucking league MVP is potentially available. So the rumor is Vethio can go to, he can stay with Misfits, or he can go to XL or Mad Lions is the rumor. Again, if they get Mad Lions, if Mad Lions takes Vethio and they can somehow make him work, if they can keep El Yori and Kat, like, you know what I mean? That's why, unfortunately for Mad Lions, their problem is this. They don't get to know what their board is until they know what the other people's moves are, unfortunately. So well, they can make an amazing team themselves 
himself, but theirs requires them keeping Kaiser and El Yoya. If either of those go, they start to lose the pieces that made this an awesome destination. I mean, I think we'd have to seriously question misfits if they let VTO go to Excel or Mad Lions. Are we real? Like, I would have put all those teams in kind of the same tier of yeah, money, agree. of money and like budget. So if misfits, I even think well, it's an actual org. Misfits might have more if you think of the esports. Yeah, games. that's I guess, you know that's why I, that would be a little yeah. bit weird to me that they would let him go. Um, but maybe they would for the right sum of money. But also at the same time. It kind of defies the MO, particularly of Mad Lions, to go out and spend big sure. on a buyout and a free agent. Because otherwise, th then you just have to ask the question, well, if they were going to do that, why didn't they just fucking keep Humanoid? Like, you know, they, they literally won back-to-back -back titles if they had that money and they I wanted mean, to spend that it. money. Hey, I don't claim to know their org. Like, I only know them a little bit from CSGO. But I will say, one, in CSGO, they were terrible at keeping free agents. Like, essentially, they, even in their contracts, had, like, super low buyouts. So everyone just bought all their good players. That's why they don't have a relevant CSGO team. And then, as far as I can tell, even though I agree with you, they haven't been the team that, like, buy people. I also get the sense, Monty, and this is fucked up, but I'm going to say it. I get the sense they're actually one of those orgs that's dumb enough. They buy their own hype about how they care about the players. And if the players, like, but I really want to go and play for they're like oh well sorry i'll just make that happen for you like i think there's people in sports that are dumb enough to do that monty like i wouldn't personally i would be like yeah you know how i like brought you up and raised you made the whole team like yeah you stayed in it like you can go for the off season's free yeah i can't, can't stop you can't hold me but while you're still going to sign that contract i'm on the carlos camp mate. i own your soul that's all you need to know see that clock on you start putting little fucking things on a wall like you're a prisoner mate that's how you can escape my team then the other one is this to me because i'm with you is the other reason i of all those destinations for the vethio one the problem is as well the XL one makes no sense to me whatsoever. One, Youngbok clearly likes Noob Dog. He's, yeah. he's very happy with Noob Dog. Two, Noob Dog isn't a problem in that team. Sure, if you want to be the champion, you might want a better mid laner, but he's just totally fine. In terms of, he does his job completely. Even if people don't know, but as a very wide champion pool, actually, I think he's a pretty competent player. But thirdly, you also, are you going to spend Mega Bucks just to do that? Swap that doesn't feel like the swap that like does everything for XL, does it? So I don't think that happens. Also, I think it's XL it's counterintuitive cool. to XL's play style because like they you know, Nuke Duck is the Swiss Army knife player where he's going yeah, to exactly. bend himself to fit like especially as a coach. Like it's very clear that like the XL coaches like to have that versatility. And so why would you why would you like force this guy who is going to play in a very specific way, at least at the present time, maybe, maybe they are convinced that VTO on a long enough timeline can be coached into greater versatility or team play um, than he has right now, which is, you know, totally fair. If behind the scenes, he seems willing to do that. Um, he's obviously very mechanically skilled and he had to play a certain style in order to make misfits win games. Like that's just objectively true. So maybe if he didn't feel like he was the only carry, then he would be able to do other things on other rosters. So that's a possibility, but it just, it seems like Excel, Excel likes Duke duck for a lot of reasons and maybe doesn't want to completely revolutionize their team style to fit a very, at the current time, specific player and a player who, frankly, is going to be a project if you want to turn him into a more versatile player. Thing is, though, the reason why I brought up that earlier one about if El Yoya, who seems to be the hot property, is the jungle player here, right? If he has the choice, 
perks he can go and play vitality or he can go to fanatic and play with humanoid obviously other good pieces that could be involved the reason why that's really interesting to me is this because before the playoffs everyone would go hands down you take humanoid they'd work together they were champions together like mate after the way humanoid played in that playoffs like i'd sort of be a bit fucking like oh i think i'll let you take a turn on that because mate he fucking tanked that playoffs i find it amazing mate how if you're charismatic and people like you they'll forgive anything in this fucking world it's the human condition it's not even just about esports but like, mate, it's mental that, like, people are just... People don't even bat an eyelid that he entered the way two series. They're just cool with that. Like, what I don't get is your narrative is you're the greatest winner. You're the clutch player. You did the opposite. Can anyone remember, by the way, off the top of their head, a series where, like, fucking Faker, Xpeke, Rookie, just in the whole series. It never happened. It never happened in the history of the game, ever. The, I've, I've genuinely, Monty, never seen someone I'm told is the region's best player just not turn up like that and everyone else just go... Oh, but it's not Thorin's players that he likes, so fuck him. That's yeah, fine. Oh, Larson had one bad game. Get him out the league. Like, give me a break. Like, it's just mental. Because that's the problem. I expect, based on their relationship, you, know, you would want to instantly team up with Humanoid again. Also, in theory, Fnatic's the better org of the two to join, obviously, historically in league. But you also look at it. I think your point's a very valid one. I would imagine Vitality has more money to chuck around, mate. That's Especially Fnatic, when they just sure, yeah. all that fucking off-season money. Like, as far as I can tell, Fnatic did their big move in the off-season, you know? I, I think too. I'll also say as well, even though, like, I do think personally the Razork thing, I don't think they were going to fix that myself. It is a bit, of, a bit of a fucking bold move as a coach as well, though, to be given like a super team's worth of players and go, yeah, actually, that won't work after one split. Like, what? Like, dude, no one else got that in history. Everyone else had to just do the whole year and fucking run it back. Like, that's pretty bold to change your roster, you know? Because I would want the opposite. I would want to be like, guys, we actually were the best. So let's just run it back again. You know, we'll figure it out next time. We've got all the weeks of the split and we'll be sound. That's what I would want sort of the mentality of FNAC to be. Yeah, there's something wrong when they're really prioritizing Humanoid's Twisted Fate so heavily. And it's not just that. He was playing way too aggressively in the lane. He was randomly he was setting his team behind by randomly dying to, to jungle ganks early on that he should know are coming. Like he was trolling at times, dude. Like as yeah. he, he got like more fucking egregious with the ints as the game went on. Not less, like as you'd expect, you know. But it, it was just it felt like it was just a doomed uphill battle from like the first five minutes of the game because of the way he was, yeah, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of problems. Hey, listen, there was two of I know there was, it was, it was, it was like good. they were getting torn apart by so, horses, like so, in the so old Coliseum. Was, so, I mean, there were there were several things. Like, yes. Humanoid did not start this. And people forget this too. Humanoid did not start this split well. They want oh, to remember no, the end of the split yep. when he was doing super well. This is why I was, was... melding about the whole LEC because mate, he was he was falling it in, and that's also why it's so brutal, Monty. That was even the excuse all the fans gave. They go, it doesn't matter if he falls it in, he wins splits, doesn't he? He pulled it in and then fucking ended the playoffs. What are you talking about? What moment was I supposed to be impressed? He had like, what, a couple of weeks in like, well, I'm going to say like the second rotation. Like, the, okay, great. I mean, okay. it's true. The, the, the pro <laughs> and it is a correct narrative around Mad Lions. Yeah, the time was it was. They, yeah. they, they were intentionally like lowering their practice. Yes. They were not doing as well. They ramped it up. Yeah, so consciously they, they were. Players. Yes, it wasn't and even so just trolling. Yeah, so it just seemed like Humanoid was doing that, except this time it didn't work out that way. And I'm sure that... The Twisted Fate, uh, you would think it would do very well in their hands. I'm sure it was probably doing very well in their scrims that they were playing. But, uh, you know, if it's continuously not working and you're not seeing those results and you're playing overly aggressively and you don't have the coverage that you need to play that aggressively in mid lane in the early game and you start kind of running it down and then your team tilts and you just keep running it down. And, you know, there's also the fact that Hillisang played much worse in the playoffs than he did towards the end of the regular season. So it seemed like kind of a total collapse uh from Fnatic and 
you know, two of their best performing players in their mid lane and their support who were doing great at the end of the split decided that they were not going to play well in playoffs. And for both of them to do that at the same time, I think was the doom. So and your I most guess, influential players on the team, like the ones yeah. who were supposed to be the MVPs. Yeah. I, I also, so I think you do run it back because I think that oh, scenario is unlikely yeah. to reproduce itself. And Absolutely. I think you, can, you actually have some time during this off season to fix some of these core issues. The roster is still good. The roster I even think good. the way they lost dude is like a perfect teaching moment. Like now Monty, they can't say we're going to afford it in, can they? Because they've just seen how the playoffs went. That's the perfect thing to yep. keep bringing their mind back to. This is why we've got to be disciplined. This is why we've got to be good in week two. This is why we've got to have like a consistent level and not be fucking messing around in script. This is the perfect time to take that double down and then win the split and go to Worlds. And by the way, if they ever get it together, be a mega team. Look how fucking good this roster is on paper. They've got banging players. By the way, I don't know if you saw as well, this is totally off the off the side. It's not at all related actually to esports, but there was that mad thing came out about fucking Hua Feng's girlfriend. Did uh, you see I, this? Where like dude, I looked, I took one look at that and decided it was too stupid. The thing is, the story actually was way overhyped because they said that apparently he was trying to like poison a player called Fen Fen, who some people might know. What's the big deal? Southmade's tried to poison every team he's been. Oh <laughs> shit! They meant literally. My bad, dude. I meant metaphorically. All that was whatever. Just another. He can catch as many strays as he wants. Do something fucking good in the game if you don't want to catch strays. <laughs> did, did you pay attention to any of that fun fun stuff? I looked at no, it, I no, looked I at it for really like care. one second, and I was like, I. I can't deal with this much. It did like, look wild. Drama. Yeah, but here's the problem. As soon as I realize it doesn't actually connect to the game, like it's not like, oh, like these are two active teammates and they've got to play together. Like, as soon as I realize it's just stupid drama, it's like, about who gives a fuck? <laughs> just a shit days of their life and it's just, just fucking well, move on. It's also, it's also on. just one of those things where because it's all been translated, like I can't understand it directly and like i feel like i'm always missing pieces or i'm having to make assumptions based on these like super partial stories and if it's not actually related to the gameplay like you said it's very hard for me to care about um you know good luck sorting that out i guess maybe Han fung is is done whatever he was i mean I, I, I as a player i don't particularly care about him either so yeah, listen, as a career, he has fucking nailed that Icarus archetype, you know, so good in the first early period, he flew too close to the sun of fangirls and fucking poisoning, I don't know, I don't think it's Game of Thrones, you know, I'm, why am I going Greek? This guy's just out with Game of Thrones, he's just a character, he's sort of like a fucking little finger character or something, the fuck, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was some, that was some interesting drama. Um, before we get Raz on, I think we, we also have to touch on an LCS topic, uh, that he will not be able to comment on, which is the hype video oh, right. with Tyler yes. One. I'd almost deleted this from my brain, but yeah, I just remembered it now, sadly. <laughs> that just dropped. I, I'm going to cede the floor to you for the here's obvious the, rant. <laughs> here's the first thing that needs to be said, right? Is I'm obviously someone who is, in theory, a massive proponent of exactly this type of content. It's actually what I've been asking for for years. I even made a video on my YouTube channel, like, I'm going to say, what, like four or five years ago? I think it was season nine, maybe. It was one of the times when, like, Doublelift and Bjergsen were facing each other in the finals. I said, you should have intros that set it up and set up the hype and the gravitas and make it epic. So they basically made a trailer like that, and they're trying to have it. In my opinion, I don't even think they've got an esports now. I think they're trying to do it like they've done in a lot of American sports franchises, like NFL and NBA, where you have, like, a act to do a fucking like cool little like teaser sort of for the playoffs right and give a bunch of like essentially they're sort of like movie lines now they didn't actually do as good a job here but they had tyler one the obviously infamous streamer do one of those right now here's why this sucks right first of all why is tyler one in it 
No one else asked this question, Monty. Everyone else, it's awesome, it's cool. Because here's the thing. Is Tyler One famous for, like, pumping people up and inspiring people? Nah, not really. Is Tyler One doing it in Tyler One style with his quotes and his catchphrases? No, he's not doing any of that. Is it, is it some sort of meta-contextual thing about how him raging at the game and the passion he has for the game translates to how... No, no, it's just him. Could be replaced by any other human to read the words doing this. And you're supposed to just sort of go... Huh. Oh, that's Tyler One. That's about it. That's like even the things he says, Monty. Like it's not even in the way he like on stream. He is quite funny when he's you know over the top and he's doing. The, the, yeah. he, there's none of that in this. So to me, it was just a very generic trailer with Tyler One, and I don't really get why. Like I, 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 I told you, I didn't look at the Reddit thread. I've looked at it now. Like I can't believe the response is so positive. Because here's the stupid thing: I could redo this whole trailer, make it awesome. Like I would have it like that. You know, I'd be like, I'd have him be like playing the fucking game and raging on stream and be like, you know the passion that league inspires and you know you want that one last game you want to win it you know you could do a whole cool thing on it you could make it a really unique approach so i actually thought it was a wasted chance mate i also think and i'll say this is the final thing i hate when you do those trailers and it's all just generic like not a single storyline not even nope. fucking one i can't get one storyline in the whole thing like you even show fucking cloud nine players they're not they're not even gonna be there you show me fudge he ain't gonna be there he ain't gonna be there, boys. So oh, I thought it was I thought it was a bit underwhelming. Man. Here's here's the other thing, Thor, and is that you know they filmed you know that you know they filmed this in been advance with yeah, all yeah. of the with all of the teams, and people will say, well, they had to do this in advance. No, no, they didn't. Uh, they had to do it slightly in advance, right? Um, but here's the thing, guys. I can tell you because I've done this. Go watch the Flashpoint One intro. And we already had it storyboarded and the player art completed before they even set foot in a studio. And we did it in under a week uh, of the from the actual shooting of the players in person to the final video because we we had a plan about how it was going to be. For the one that I didn't work on, Flashpoint 3, I remember for the intro you did for that, you even had to like change a bloody player because device changed teams. Device like, changed teams right before, before the tournament. Yeah, so exactly. We had to change the storyboard. So like... I've done this, guys. You can you can make the changes. That's that's like a crazy excuse. And you could at least set up theoretical narratives because there's a finite number of teams, right? So what you do is if you have a well-planned shoot, you can get narratives from the different teams. You could have some you, amazing ones for these ones, yeah. could use. Yes. Like, you could be like, you could use it. Like, what happens? Here's some ones, for example. Let's get a shot of Bjergsen and Jojo Pian looking at each other because it could be new guard versus old guard. Like, there's an idea for you. You just have to plan that shoot and get it done and plan the scheduling of that shoot around all of that. So you absolutely can tell stories, even if you don't know what those stories are, as long as you think about it in advance. Okay, as long as you plan the shoot properly. Now, on the Tyler one side, here's the other thing you didn't mention, Thorin, is that it's not even about the finals. It's about the crowd, which is such a yeah, weird... Yeah, weird as well. There's, a, there's another thing, thing, actually, Monty. Here's also what tilted me. The things he was saying also mean nothing because they have no gravitas. Because what does Tyler one know about a crowd bringing the best out of the best? He's never competed, you fucking idiots! Like, he isn't a pro player. What's weird about that is he has, to me, he has no connection to the eSports side of the game. But you picked him as though, like, like, dude, the things he's saying would be appropriate on an NFL thing if it was, like, Jerry Rice saying that. Like, yeah. you know, and the crowd brings out the greatest out of the player and, you know, and you, you've got to perform and be on your best and you can't let your team... Why does why does Tyler one saying that mean anything? Like, this, that's what I mean. It's This is like, by the way, everything I hate about Riot because this... The joke is I could make a better skit, which is just how they came up with this skit. So it's Obviously, the fucking big industrialist, Mr. Fucking Riot guy with the big cigar. What? 
Who are these fucking kids into? What? Who's my Miss Money Penny? Who the fuck is my nephew watching Tyler One? Get get me Tyler One. It's like one of these. Like, what are you doing? You're a fucking boomer. Like, and what are the themes here? Well, we've got the crowd back. So that's right. Yes, the crowd. It's all about the crowd. I'm the man of the people. Like, like this is like some fucking bread and circus well, shit. What are you doing? The, the problem is, is like, <laughs> I think what happened here is that there's two different departments within Riot who do these things. And I do not know why they are two separate entities. So they have like this marketing department and then they have the esports department. And sometimes the marketing department makes these things on their own budgets that is independent of the esports department. And because they have money to pay Tyler one as an influencer. But it's like he is he is he has his own like whatever hilarious like kind of amateur semi-pro tournament that he runs right but for the Good most part to use if you have yeah. the right setting yeah of course yeah he's he's completely divorced from the esports yes. part of things and he's you know you're not telling any narratives with this promo and yes i realize tyler one is going to be there but if if you are lcs and you think the best way to promote your league is with a guy who is at best loosely affiliated you've lost the fucking plot your league is, if you think that the best way to get viewers to your league is to leverage Tyler One, your viewership is toast already. Hey, you know, I would have used toast. Monty. I would have the same type of setup. I would have just used Dom. He was a pro player. He didn't manage to win the LCS, but he was in like big semi stuff. He's been at those things with the crowd. He's also your like one of your most popular core streamers. And he understands all the shit about the esports side. Like, he would actually nail this role, mate. He'd fucking, uh, he's better than Tyler One for that. Well, it, I, I obviously understand I'm saying that hypothetically. Obviously, Riot would never use Dom in a fucking commercial. I'm aware <laughs> of that. I mean, hypothetically, here, fans. <laughs> but it's also, you could use your own talent. Like, Captain Flowers could have done just as good of a job delivering those those almost exactly the same lines without some, like, Tyler One-specific quotes, like, built different, right? But in essence, the message could have been delivered, even though the message was about crowds and, and one quote. Does he, does he say that about himself, that he's built different or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's a catchphrase or what. Fair enough, okay. So, like, you could have just used Captain Flowers for this, and I feel like it would have at least had some oh, semblance of LCS to it. how bad it is because like that line that they just said there if that's a quote of his built different why did they throw it away on nothing like here's what you would have done if you as we're saying if you actually properly schedule this so you know who the teams are you would do something like this Monty like Team Liquid was always known for playing through the bottom mid lane but this time they're built different or whatever and you'd do some fucking you'd actually tie it into the analysis wouldn't you and give some sort of hype like I, what I don't get is this fans are going to do this Monty this is why I can't stand fans they're going to go what's the big deal because A it is an opportunity missed and B if you knew how much fucking money they paid Tyler One and spent on this you'd know that it is a big deal like this could be by the way better than any OGN intro if you actually paid the budget that they have right now like yeah. you don't know how, they wouldn't all your favorite OGN intros, they were made on pennies. They were made on a shoestring budget, mate. You could have done something as cool as that for this. Now, yeah, it wouldn't be as cool in the sense it doesn't have, like, the Korean players. But the storylines here, like, let's not pretend there are no fucking players here. Like, for me, there's so many cool angles you can have with the fact that EG's trying all these American players. 100 Thieves was supposed to be the flash in the pan that was a fluke, but they might win again. Team Liquid has, like, Bjergsen maybe in his worst performance, but he's in another super team. Like, there's some fucking amazing narratives you could bring for this. Not You won't find any of them in that video. So I also don't know what the point is Because here's the other thing Surely Surely At the most base level The dream of this video Monty Is that I like League of Legends I don't know the LCS finals is going on I see this video And I tune in Why would I tune in? You haven't given me a single reason In fact the joke is I might even tune in Go no it's Cloud9 playing Oh fuck No no, no. The, single reason, <laughs> the single reason is Tyler 1 This is, this is the point 
This is literally, you can infer from this video the thought process that goes in, which is, it is better use of our money to pay Tyler One fifty dollars to $100,000, which is probably the range that it costs to have him do this video and appear at the finals, if I had to guess. Uh, somewhere how in much that he range, from streaming, yeah. With how much he lives from streaming, yeah. um, probably somewhere in that range, uh, in order because that is the best chance of getting viewers. You ask yourself, how do we advertise this? Is the best chance to pay Tyler One a bunch of money, or is it to tell the storylines of the league? Is it to use our own talent to do this promotional video? And they decided that Tyler One is the best marketing strategy, which means that they are they are alone in an ocean right now where they do not know how to actually get viewership. Um, that's, that's where we're at. Um, and it's depressing because there's some oh, really good stories. They have no idea at all. <laughs> so we'll see. Cause you know, I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to forgive this if we get a really good 10 year history of the LCS at the finals, if they pull off what LCK pulled off, which was fucking amazing at their finals, bringing back all those old players, really leaning into the history, ent entirely leaning into the history. If they do that at the LCS finals, all is forgiven, right? This was just something to get Tyler One's fans hyped and aware and involved and hopefully watch the finals. That is legit. Um, now, considering Tyler One is also going to be at the finals, I somehow doubt that is going to be the case, but we'll see. Also, at least actually, like, make fucking interesting tie-ins to what happened in the split. Like, you can have all cool angles, like, Cloud9 was supposed to revolutionize the LCS until they had a systems failure. Then you have them move out, then it's like, TSM was supposed to be a fucking beat until, you know, like, whatever. But now their last chance to win just went to, fled to China. You obviously wouldn't put that in a riot. Well, that'd be in my version, obviously. But you can tie all these fucking six storylines, it'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I hope they do something. I hope they do something for the actual LCS finals. I think there are some really cool kind of new guard stories coming out of EG. I think you have like the TL super That's team not living up to expectations, yeah. the defending champions back in the finals. Hmm? Yeah. No, it's, not, it's also one of the most uncertain finals weekends I can think of. Who the fuck knows who'll win? Yeah. Yeah. There's it's, no obvious uh, favorite. <laughs> there, there isn't. By so. the way, I'm, obviously I very rarely ever do this money, but sadly when you were talking, I actually glanced at our Twitch chat and you'll, you won't believe this, mate. Our Twitch chat thinks that was straight fire and we don't know what we're talking about, which doesn't prove anything, by the way, about our fan base. Because here's the way fans work, by the way. You know when the VOD has 100,000 views? Yeah, the 10 people talking Twitch chat, we don't give a fuck what you think, mate. I'll take the 100,000 <laughs> other people. The, one, the ones who didn't comment, they're my favorite viewers. You in the Twitch chat, you just have access to Twitch and, and fingers i can't even confirm you have eyes or a brain but you have fingers and twitch chat that's it if it were me by the way you know what i'd do you know it'd be silent i'd have no fucking twitch chat but it isn't mine it's all right it's all right I've, I've had my little look i've looked away now and now we can go on in our lives so that was that was me molding just because honestly like i think riot korea did such a good job with the lck uh finals this year it was just so perfect that it's just really, 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 really annoying to to see this kind of content crop up because, again, it's a Band-Aid solution. And this is what Riot seems to love these days is they've Band-Aid solution Valorant by having all of these co-streamers that are like 70% of their their esports viewership is just co-streamers these days. And if you look at this, now you're just getting unaffiliated 
uh, you know, league celebrities into your esports space because, it, but it, every time you do this, you lose another opportunity to hook people into the things that are actually durable about your league. Tyler One isn't going to be here for every fucking LCS final. Uh, I mean, nothing against him, but I hope he's not because he's not. He's not part of the fabric of the LCS or the history of the eSport, which is what I really care about. Would it be way more appropriate if this video was about, like, Bjergsen's last chance at a title or something? That would be a cool way to hook it into history. Anyway, since obviously there is those games going on in the playoffs this weekend, Monty, let's do a bet on that, and then we'll bring Raz on to talk about the LCS in a totally unhit. This sec section is sponsored by eSports Bet. When Raz comes on, that's a se separate section. <laughs> that is not sponsored. It was an affidavit <laughs> from my lawyer saying as much. So. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we can. We don't have. We don't have the uh, the live odds up yet, obviously. But best of five series win is pretty heavily in TL's favor this time around. Understandably, it is understandable. I think um, you know, even though it went to five games, obviously EG was kind of struggling by game five. It got them into a place where. Uh, you know, they were picking like the Nidley Renekton, which wasn't the obvious question, Monty. After I've watched them play a TL in a five game series and beat C9 in a three game series, I still don't know if EG's actually good at League of Legends. I just know they're good at draft. That's it. I actually like the joke is in that series against C9, they kept almost like throwing the game at the end, didn't they? Like every game, like they like they had to play the game. It's why I was joking. It really is like the LS dream. That's the LS team, boys. Like they're just winning without fucking playing the game because of scaling. It's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, like I think drafting is incredibly important right now because a lot of teams just draft themselves into a hole where they have no way to kill the enemy carries. That's like a very common theme that's going on these days. Uh, so you can just I think draft is really, 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 really important. Um, but overall, you also have to wait, look at the way that EG won this series, which is that they did get a lot of kind of like cheeky early game or won the games in their last series i should say which is that they got a lot of cheeky early game like level one advantages oh, sure, uh, yeah. you know due to some creative pathing and fighting in the early game. Uh, oh they had all the luck in the world yeah yeah but you on the other hand you also have to look at how team liquid lost to 100 thieves and 100 thieves I, like, I don't know what was going on in the TL draft because a lot of times they were like drafting for Bwipo's lane, but they didn't have the most comprehensible like team compositions. So it really felt like they were trying to translate lane advantages without thoroughly thinking about how these team fights or kind of late game scenarios would play out. So if they do that versus EG, I think EG does have better drafting right now. And I think they were, they've been powering up through the playoffs and that I think they've looked good. I think if Whippo doesn't want to kind of play stock standard top laners, that team liquid is going to have some issues. Um, so you know what? At 2.7, I'm going to, I'm going to take EG. Like it's not I, terrible. I, That's pretty, those are, the, the odds odds are good. Yeah. Yeah. The those odds are, are good. And I think that I think EG will have a good plan about how to come into about how to come into these these finals because they looked very prepared the last time they had a, a long time to prepare on Team Liquid. And I think Team Liquid's priorities are just so wacky these days that I'm not sold. I'm not sold on them at all. I yeah, the problem I, Team Liquid has basically goes like this. Whippo has just been a little bit questionable in some of the playoffs so far. Bjergsen's just been very bang average. He hasn't been impressive. He's like, he had like one or two pop-offs total yep. in the whole playoffs. And then Hansama, 
as you'd expect, he's a consistent player, but that's also Hantama's whole career. It's always like, he's doing all right in the bottle. It's like, listen, mate, he's not Uzi I. He's not just going to fucking 1v9 the game, are we? So the problem they have right now is the reason why the door is open for this to be really interesting is the EG drafting can make it potentially uncomfortable enough that actually the superstars of Team Liquid at the moment, they're not necessarily just going to smurf and take over the whole game. And indeed, by the way, Cloud9 would have thought they could say the same thing. You don't think they thought Summit and Berserker would monster fucking EG in a series. You look at that and you go... Surely they're going to have one game each at least where they carry, you know. Never happened. So that's why I'm really interested to see if, if TL has an answer to the draft philosophy because if EG can actually put them in some of these spots, TL hasn't looked as monstrous as it did on paper. I know on paper that does look like an insane roster. It hasn't been as crazy in the actual games I've watched though. So I'm very interested. I would still expect TL to win. I would imagine it's obviously going to be TL 100 Thieves in the final. But even just the fact that EG has got like its own unique win condition, I think makes this a cool match. The difference here is like, I don't think that this gap of 1.4 to 2.7 is as big as it is. Like, I think that it's probably like 50 or 60% TL favored. So I agree. I think TL's going to win, but That's that 2.7 on EG is, is kind of juicy. So we'll go with that. Indeed. Anyway, thanks to Esports Bet. Um, we are going to take a quick break, guys. And when we come back, we'll be here with Raz. We're back, and it's the segment with a guest. The guest is Raz. He's been on so many insight many times before. Once upon a time, he was a caster in the LPL. It wasn't even that many years ago, actually. It was only a couple of years ago. <laughs> then, obviously, if you go back far enough, he was also coaching, coached the Dignitas team once upon a time over in Europe, right? I think it was the European one you coached, right? It was Europe, and then, of course, moved on to the LCS team for North America. Yes, and obviously you will see Raz if you, on the LCS. He's the guy who's not a plushie, if, if that narrows it down. There's, there's a mixture of... I've noticed now, it seems like there's an ever-expanding amount of plushies relative to how many humans appear on stage. No, it's just like an unlimited amount. It's like fucking... It's like it's, tribbles. They're just like... It's dreaming. like gremlins or something, exactly. <laughs> they keep multiplying. The last time yeah. I was on desk, Dash had the biggest right. fucking, like, Tibbers plush. I was like, all right, guys. Okay. <laughs> so I, I also wanted to uh, congratulate you, Raz, for winning the analyst hunger games on lcs uh, they've really like the battle royale has gone down you guys had like 10 of you last year but now you know you successfully beat out mark z for like the the starting spot with oh Emily. my god <laughs> hey he's casting all right i'm, I'm the one just on the desk okay. <laughs> right. you, know, you you got rid of all those other people who were there last year so it's just you so congratulations uh, they they underestimate me because of my scrawniness that's what it is hey, oh, just don't here's the thing I bet they all say the same thing, Bonnie. I bet they're like, oh, I love that Raz guy. He's such a great guy to get along with. They don't know he's the real power broker behind the scenes pulling all the strings. <laughs> Wait a minute. Setting up relationships. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. People will actually believe that. That's going to no, be a No, no, that's a joke, of course. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's free who does all of that. So... <laughs> 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 so anyway uh yes congratulations uh we're gonna talk about the lcs playoffs a little bit here uh we're gonna start with c9 and their tragic Ooh. their tragic collapse. let's just start here Raz. Can you even dude can you actually believe that cloud nine isn't even in the lcs playoffs there's still there's still two matches to go they're not even in the running they're not even gonna be at that fight i still can't wrap my head around it like yeah. i always can't believe that match yesterday happened man that was so insane what crazy. a way to go out of the playoffs just just gone the, if people didn't watch the games the games were all over like 10 minutes in it was mental you were like holy shit this is supposed yeah. to be like a super team what the fuck like literally for me, I went predicted 3-1 Cloud9. The send-off for me to the casters was that like I don't think 
Like, they have adapted. Summit has learned. Like, they cannot replicate what 100 Thieves did to them because, like, Golden Guardian series, sure, it was a worse team. But, like, the way they changed their strategy was going to be significant. And the way he got destroyed was, like, the most obvious, clear thing. Game one, instantly three to five yeah. deaths. Yes. I was like, like a motherfucker, yeah. I see the Jace pick into, like, Nocturne, Rise, uh, and Orn. Um, Orn. I was like, okay, guys, we learned nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, if people don't know he was down like zero five in lane yeah. as Jace into on. Like, the, yeah. this is the worst thing about this guy. He's even supposed to be the one who boxed the trend of the NA Jace because he's like an elite Korean top laner coming over, smurfing everyone. But no, the fucking NA Jace gets its fucking sick revenge well, in the end. What are you supposed to do? Like, the whole thing about this is like they late pick Jace in the draft intentionally. Yes, yes. like they, they, they opted into the yes. Orn Nocturne experience and it's like how the fuck are you gonna do anything with jace like you yes. try and you can't see anybody to poke uh because nocturne turns out the lights and then he's just sitting on your face with stride breaker and then you get hit by an ornult and then you die it's That's literally it. the worst combination of ideas because we talked about he, what he was going up against it's also he's on weak side because they're playing towards caitlin lux and yes. lee sin is pathing towards him so literally four times four to five times every time the wave is pushing away from him he's like i'm fucking dead like clearly First yes. time he escaped the gank. The second time he, I'm pretty sure he's like what? trying to clear out a ward or whoa, something. It just say, keeps happening. Hold up, hold up. Part of this okay. is like you say he escaped the gank. Okay. It was a level three nocturne gank. Bottom side jungle. Yes. Called, cleared all three cans and then walked all the way at the yes. top side and then tried to do a level three nocturne gank. So like I'm pretty sure I could escape that yes. gank. Yes. Like phoning in like people criticize him for not ganking enough. He's like, oh you don't want you want early game gangster. You want bloody there you go. Then it's Raz, like well, Raz, is, Raz is that guy like you, you know that you, meme where the guy comes in and he goes like i can leave here my job is done he's like but you didn't do anything at all. that was fucking inspired what was that what was the point of that coming raz, from that raz, raz is like that guy like i could tie somebody's hands up with like string and then they'd break out and he'd be like is this guy houdini what the fuck exactly yes <laughs> what mastery does he have over the ropes and the string hey look it worked the last time when 100 thieves did it he thought he could That's make true. it happen again yes uh, and so, like, yes, it just happened. And it's wild because it wasn't even, like, just the Jace being a bad pick. I thought even the Akali flex was rough, too, because it ties you to having, like, no damage in your composition. So, like, even though I think, oh, Orin pick, I legitimately think either Scion or even GP can work there, right? But Scion's probably going to be, is going to handle this. It was a mysterious, really well. like, a GP in general being picked in the series and then it looked like, like, I was surprised yeah. they didn't go more on the draft here, yeah. I'm surprised. Like, he literally played it in the Golden Guardian set. I was like, okay, he's expanding his champion pool, yep. willing to play Orin. Great, most broken champion right now. Like, he went right back. And so, it's just not what he wants to play. It's very clear. Um, it, and that's the bigger telling story for me with Cloud9. And I know we'll talk about it later, so I'll hold on to it. Is the fact that, like, when the chips are down and someone has to play against a top laner he truly respects, he goes back to his core champions. And he will not move. He will not budge. Right. Um, and that's the I was reality. Surprised he didn't play GP because, like, that yeah. would have been a significantly better pick in this yes. in this situation. And I, what surprised me is that he was playing GP in their last series. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I didn't I didn't understand what the emphasis on the Jace here was. And also, I mean, credit to Evil Geniuses too because 
they had a good read. Like when C9 beat Golden Guardians, I think they got false confidence from playing very aggressive like MF or Caitlyn bot lanes and having significant pressure and kind of playing weak side, at least in style, you know, weak side top lanes. Yeah. And EG read this very well. They said, okay, we're going to give you the Caitlyn. We know that's your priority. And here's the thing. We're going to have Orn and Rise. You will not be able to poke us out late game. We're taking Yumi. We'll just heal up all that poke damage if you even get there. We have extreme hard engage onto your yep. onto your poke line with Orn, Nocturne, and Realm Warp, and Yumi speed, everything like that. So effectively, Cloud9's only win condition was, hey, let's stack dragons. And then we were talking about this because we did a watch party for it this last weekend. And then they get Ocean Soul, and I was like, yes. oh my god, this that's is the worst. That's where the universe did this want them to win Monty. Exactly. That's the kick in the outcome. dick from Fate. Because <laughs> right we were sitting there, and I was like, yes. I really don't even think EG cares if they get Ocean Soul, yes. because <laughs> because like, how are they going to regen? They're all squishy. They're going to engage on the back line, and then they're going to instantly die, and that's going to be <laughs> it. Like, Ocean Soul literally does fucking nothing for you. So it was also unfortunate for Cloud9 that they got, like, the the one in five role that was going to be absolutely yes. shit for them. It was hilarious. Um, like it me, was really the analyst desk, we were like talking about it in the analyst desk. It was like Ocean Soul. I was like, wow, this is actually the most useless soul there. It's and so then they get Elder, and it's like it. This, it still doesn't matter. They get Giga outscaled. <laughs> yeah, so. You have to. You have to be able to get people down low enough for Elder to work, which they could never do. Yeah. So it also didn't matter. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It yeah. was. It, it did feel like it did feel like kind of, you know, like a Greek tragedy where the gods are just against you and playing games with with mortals due to their hubris. Uh, that first game, where I was like, holy shit, this is this game is actually just cursed for for C9. Like there's yeah. nothing. Nothing is going their way. Every <laughs> fan and I'm sure the yeah, players themselves are going through flashbacks like that dog looking at the cupcake kind of flashback to the yes. 100 Thieves series. And it's like, oh, it's happening again. Okay. Also, I have to say, if you are a fan, I was talking about this on the watch party, but like two of the teams in the playoffs, this is super relevant for. So think of the top players we've got left in the playoffs, Raz. We've got Impact on EG, we've got Bwipo on Team Liquid, and we've got fucking somebody on Hundred Thieves. One of those is not like the others. Dude, we're in a meta now where you can play fucking Orn and Gangplank. Like, this is the fucking Korean top laner's dream. This is the yeah. weak side Korean top laner. Like, this is just how you win a championship. Like, Impact and someday, this is going to be right in their wheelhouse for the teams that they're on like i actually think it gives those teams a little buff wait meanwhile whipple actually listen he was supposed to be one of the, like the big imports that's dominating all the people at his position he's looked a bit ropey in the playoffs mate he's looked yeah. a little bit like I, i'd rather be on the impact side of that one or like the someday side just give me the odd my guy can play safe they'll let the rest of the map win whipple ints like fucking summit did it this could be a dodgy next match yeah and i think like i think a little bit of what is it called again um when a team is just constantly winning and they just have forgotten like what is an unsuccessful draft or an idea. Okay. Uh, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Confirmation bias. Because like they have been a team that's like, oh, maybe we can play uh, Lucian. And I know we'll talk about it later on. But like they'll try and go for pretty heavy early game drafts because it probably works for them consistently in scrims. But like that is just not the meta. Like Orn right now is just busted. He he's a broken type of champion. Every region. Yeah. yeah, he has like, I think, like a 62% win rate, and he's like the highest picked champion uh, right now in playoffs. I'll just check that. <laughs> yeah. I could believe it totally. And so, like, he's the highest picked champ for my mind. He has an absurd win rate, and a lot of the times those drafts are coupled with, naturally, Control Mage mid, probably an Aphelios Zeri bot lane. And a lot of the times, if you are making a mistake, which will happen, like it's North America, teams will make mistakes. Like, I say this, LPL has made a mistake, and I, I've watched you guys talk about it too. 
I'll watch those games in, entirely later on. But like, if you make a mistake, there's no forgiveness. You literally get stomped um, in, in larger team fights. So it's pretty absurd. Um, and it kind of goes back to Cloud9, where it feels like they're aggressively playing against it. Another pick, too, that they later on started playing was Twisted Fate, where it didn't work for Fnatic for a good reason. Uh, for a yes. long time, early pick Twisted Fate, while it was successful, like theoretically was like not good because enemy team could just either go orn top, like Tom Kench support, and if it's banned, you can go, it has been going Alistar bots and Zaya, who's been really popular. So it's like, okay, what angles do I have? If the enemy team is playing respectfully and not trolling out of their minds, like I'm very useless. So I think the drafts overall for Cloud9, especially in game one, was just like really bad. Game two is good. I thought game two's draft was nice. I like that one. This is the thing, Monty. As much as, like, look, obviously this is the nature of the show. You talk about the matches that just happened. Like, the crazy thing is this. You know, when I was talking about how if you're Fnatic, like, they they still finished third, but obviously there's a world where if you're looking at that roster, you're like, do we make, like, a gamble panic move, basically? Do we try and, like, upgrade and hope it makes the team better and win the split and go to Worlds, blah, blah, blah? Cloud9's in a scenario now, dude, where no one thought they would have to change players after the split. Like, if I were them, first of all, they have not addressed at all, you'll notice, what happened with that winsome situation. This guy just played the whole split, and then he's just out after one split. One series, and he's just gone. They've just, he, he must just have disappeared. had stage nerves. That's the only he's just explanation. Gone from, gone from reality. He just doesn't exist anymore. Then you look at the rest of the team. Their team is in the worst possible condition you could end a split in. Summit is inting the shit out of all the games. Fudge just did nothing. He wasn't bad, but he just did nothing. Blabber looked like he was pretty fucking shit in that series. It wasn't this fucking pop-off jungler. What more do you want? What can Berserker do? Berserker, by the way, never even in a position to win a game. He's the bloody ADC. Like, you can't, you can't just 1v9 in 2022, boys. Like, when you're behind all the games and a scaling draft on the enemy. Like, it's not going to happen. So, like, if I were Cloud9, I don't know what you do, Monty. Like, this is, the whole project looks failed to me. I think, look, you can't, they don't have a way to actually play the game and win because the way that Summit wants to play the game is not the way that's going to win them the game. Like yeah. Summit can't play the Camille and do a 4-1 split comp when he's inting on Camille. Like that's not an option. You need. I liked what they did in the in the Golden Guardians series because at least if you have the GP, you can start grouping and trying to, you know, stack towards soul or play around these objectives. But the Camille was really kind of, not very useful uh, in that game. And yet they still tried grouping because she was behind and you know couldn't win these 1v1s. But it's also what they're giving up. I mean, they're giving up Zeri to EG on blue side every single game. Um, no other region is... Uh, show me another best of five where Zeri's yes. been available in three of the exactly. games. Like, that doesn't happen. It's yes. so, it's so like, fundamentally disrespectful. And okay, like, I get you give up Zeri in game one because you want to play Caitlyn Lux. Fine, like, roll the dice on that one. That's okay. Why do you give up Zeri in game two when you're playing Jinx and Tom Kench? Like, that just defeats the entire purpose. You gave up a power pick with no ostensible advantage in order to... You know, you're not achieving anything. Yeah. And then not, on top of that, the the I really like the Karma pick from EG. Like, the Karma has been kind of a fringe meta pick. It's very good in certain situations. I think EG's drafts were great this series. I think yeah. they did a really good job. And I love the Karma pick because it, it allows you to have extreme priority in the bot lane, which then accelerates your Zeri even faster. The problem with Cloud9's composition is that they don't have any way to ever kill Zeri. 
there is no way to kill Zeri with this composition. Like, you're not going to hit Zeri with poke, not with an Orn in the front line. Um, you're not going to be able to catch Zeri in any conceivable fashion. So Zeri combined with a Karma, like, that speed is just going to clean up team fights if because you, you literally can't kill her. Um, mm -hmm. So... I don't know what Cloud9 was thinking. Like, I think that th this was very doomed uh, from the start of this game. Uh, and then you get into the third game of the series and Summit's playing Gwen. Okay, again, how do you kill Zeri? I only like Gwen compositions like we were talking about earlier when you have a low mobility backline so that the Gwen can get into the backline and start killing the carries. The only way you kill Zeri with this composition, if you're Cloud9, with a Twisted Fate, Lucian, Nami, Jarvan. So first off, Jarvan ult doesn't do anything to Zeri. Uh, second of all, okay, so let's say Twisted Fate gets into, ports into the back line and manages to gold card Danny. Well, they have a million peel options with Gragas, yep. Alistair, um, Rise even can root them. So basically, you have to hope that you get multiple gold cards onto Zeri to lock her down long enough You'd have to like gold card Everfrost, Zonia's gold card again, and that's maybe how Zeri dies. Like, how reliable is that? It's not fucking reliable. Yeah. And so C9's only gambit this entire series was let's do well enough, or in games one and three, let's do super well in the early game. We want to draft towards that priority, and then maybe we just snowball a massive advantage. But the top lane is never in sync with that plan. And yeah. the top lane picks don't fucking make sense. Like, they don't do anything in these compositions. I so I liked game two a little bit more from their draft. At least they have split push options. And oh, no, then was, that was fine. Options. It was yeah. just he inted. <laughs> yes, exactly. He played poorly. He played really poorly. Yeah, yeah. So that well, one yeah. sucked. Yeah, and yeah, what yeah. also <laughs> sucked was what also sucked is that their two v two mid played really poorly too. Uh, I think I, I'm trying to remember who died early. I think it was Trundle. I would have to actually look back. I made a note on that one just to make sure. Um, I know he gets killed. Yeah, it was actually Trundle on that first one. And then they try to contest Rift Herald in the eight-minute mark. And then, like, Trundle just face-checks into Victor yes. and then dies again. So at this point, Victor just has two kills. So your early game from the 2v2 aspect is just done. And then Camille is just inting there, too. So your overall late-game plans of having Poke, Kiteback, and generally speaking, you're just going to be uh, playing for split and avoiding all fights, it's a fringe draft in this meta, you can, and they were bad. Like, they played it poorly. Yeah, I think if you have the Corky, the Tom Kench, the Trundle, and the Jinx, you can play long-range Siege on yeah. and play a 4-1. You yeah. can do that. Um, and you will be strong. You try and poke them off the objectives, but you don't fight with this composition unless mm -hmm. you're fighting with the Camille. Like, that's yeah. it. So it is, you know, you, you're peeling with Trundle Pillar, you're peeling with Tom Kench, you're trying to use, um, you know, range advantages. But the other problem with this is, like, Berserker doesn't even buy rapid fire cannon. So like, are, do you have like that much? You're not even accentuating. You're not even itemizing in a way that accentuates the mm -hmm. advantages that you have. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it, that's why I say it just feels like a mismatch between the way that summit wants to play these games out. And indeed the way summit is capable of playing these games out because he does seem deluded at this point in time mm -hmm. and the way the rest of the team actually thinks that they can win games. Yeah. I mean, imagine um, playing the whole split as well and you always have a massive top advantage. In fact, he's even just solo killing people. Like, now you're playing a totally different game. You've never had that once in this series. Like, it's like an alien game. What was the point you were making earlier, as Now would be the appropriate time. Like, the, what you noticed about, like, essentially, you set it up well. 
when they had the series they played against Golden Guardians, because he did actually somewhat play different champions in the champion pool, it seemed to address that criticism, like maybe he has a limited champion pool, blah, blah, blah. But actually, it sounds, I, I thought the same thing, mate. I thought, to me, it was more like, yeah, but look who he's playing. I don't think he respects those players. Yeah. I think he's just doing it to sort of like make a point. And as you said, he just went back to his old, old reliable, right? He went back to what exactly. he always goes back. What do you think about this point? Because it seems like yeah. it's a limited factor, right? I think so. And I think the toughest thing for any team any team is when your strongest player, the strongest performing player, who at this point seems, and I, I think everybody's on the same page that he's going to get M MVP. Like, he was the MVP, he should be. Exactly, yeah. he's going to be. Like, yeah, it feels yeah. like that's going to be the case. Like, and he is what's limiting your team. Like, that's a lose lose situation in every situ in every respect. I don't expect them. I know we'll talk about it later on to like be back on this team because it feels like it's just stubbornness and it's the confirmation of bias of like, oh, I am destroying. Uh, the uh, domestic top laners and for like the majority of the LCS. And of course, like he had that one game versus Team Liquid where it was his Trinomir versus Whippo's Jax, where yes, Whippo also had a bad game there, uh, where he's like, okay, I'm, I'm once again shit stomping on people. So then why do I have to learn these other champions? Like, even if I already know them, his Camille, I thought he executed his Camille well. He could play a good Camille. He could play a good GP. Like we saw that even when G Golden Guardians rolled over, like he had good mechanics on the champion. But he doesn't, it doesn't feel like he wants to play those champions. Um, so those are the worst conversations because it makes offseason really tough. Um, and I think he's an incredible player. And that as long as he's able to grow off this, um, and, and hopefully the competition in the LCS is better enough so the enemy top laners are not just letting you get away with it. So now you are just not growing and coming to the wrong conclusions where I feel he is. Um, and then, yeah, ha like hopefully next split he comes back because it it it's like a missed opportunity. Um, so that was the case. I also agree with the game three point. Game three, it just felt like this team was out of it. Uh, they had a completely early game focus, like twisted fade into what we were just talking about. Like you, you can't make a play on side lanes. You're not going to be able to dive bot. And you're right, evil geniuses, Monty, like just had great drafts throughout. They're all always counterpicking support. Uh, so the strategies that c9 had of diving bot lane was never going to happen on the karma they were either thinning waves so it just wasn't like they made the attempt and it was just pushed away where the caitlin lux game it was not a significant enough of an advantage for caitlin to be justified in the pick so uh, i think everything from eg side from the draft was great and also just showcased how valuable vulcan is as a player and so everybody kind of said it in the off season i said it like <laughs> multiple times i don't understand how cloud nine let vulcan get away like he want i'm sure he wanted to stay on that team but they thought they had better options that they can grow with which is winsome yeah, yeah. and isles and it was just not worth it he was an all pro player multiple times in a year like in a row um he is your best domestic uh support and it just didn't like that one for me was like the biggest lesson for the offseason no, I'm with you on that one. Like, it goes without saying, if people don't know, there's a reason Vulcan himself has, like, single-handedly held up all the fucking roster boards of teams for a couple of off-seasons. Because he, essentially, bear in mind, he's an NA player, but who's always one of the better players. At a position, you also typically, like, people want to waste the import on mid lane. You don't want to always make it support player. So, yeah. actually, he's mega valuable, of course. Yeah, it was a big gamble to go on this other direction they went. That's why I bring up that topic I did before, bring it back again. This is not, like, bearing in mind... 
the first things first, they don't have a coach. They have no real head coach in this team. The guy they even have as their head coach now wasn't supposed to be the head coach. He just had to do the job because the other guy got fired and he moved into his spot. So for me, one, you've got to fix this coaching problem. Because, you know, everyone had that angle of like, well, all the guys they still have, though, are like LS proteges, though. So maybe they'll do like a sort of LS light. Dude, if you ever watched LS stream, he hates the way they fucking play the game. Like, they don't have any hold over from LS as far as I can tell. They're doing their own shit, their own style of coaching. I wasn't impressed with that. I didn't see development during the split. If, any, if anything, they looked at the regressed. And some of these players, I don't know how you could run. In good conscience, I couldn't run back the same roster again, mate. Something has to change. But yeah. I don't know what, Raz, because as you're saying, technically, like, the MVPs maybe the guy on the chopping block. Like, like yeah. the problem I have with that player as well is he is the best player, but it seems like you are going to be so one-dimensional if you have him in your team. Like, I don't feel like, to me, it's not worth having him if you're going to say you're not the best player in the team and I'm going to play through someone. Like, he can't be a weak side top player. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you either you either commit to him and you say, we're all in on the fucking summit angle, or you've, or you've got to do some really bold move. Like, I don't know what the move is, but... I, I, can, I, can, I don't see how Cloud9 can run this same roster back, mate. I think it'll be terrible. Yeah, I think it's not possible. And, I, like, from the few interviews that I've seen, uh, you know, Fudge had his interview with Degon saying that he likes mid and he wants to stay mid. So it seems like his initial intention. And I think anybody, naturally, when they make a move, they don't want to make it half-assed. Like, they want to stay in a position and, like, follow through their goal and being sure. the best in that role. But I think the best C9 roster has to be Fudge top lane Labyrinth. Seems obvious, right? It's that's yeah. that's actually the ace you have up your sleeve as well. The whole time yeah. you can think, of, dude, no other team can do this. I can't just take out my other best player and then put like a role swap. And uh, by the way, if it works, Fudge might be the best top player again. If somebody isn't in the league yeah. and he's just top, he might even be the best of the role. Like yeah. to me, it's an obvious. That's the you got to gamble on that. I think. And there are so many free agent mid laners that are available. Yes, right. exactly. I mean, Niski like, or Jensen could both of them yes. could come back. Just who okay. There's or a million of them. Loads of them. Like, yeah. There Lord. are so many that can literally take that spot. And if yes. this, and there are a few in academy, but I don't think they would make that decision. I, I is this? It just feels like to me the best situation is to just put Fudge top lane, and maybe yes. that's going to be the case after the offseason when they go through their options here. Uh, and another thing too, I think just from the fans. Uh, perspective because a lot of people will say well if ls was on this team they would still they would they would do better they would draft better like vegar waldo even uh their you know their mid laner in fudge like they all believe the same things that ls does that's what's like, so insane about this situation yes, <laughs> yes like it is not it is not a coaching thing and is not like player thing for sure. it's a player thing and it's like anybody that's... in a coaching position monte you know too it's like you're not gonna force your player to uh, uh, play the specific cha champs that he doesn't want. And you only have one option a lot of the times when they are saying no or unwilling to or just un... And that is a roster change, like challenging their position. But you Dude, know when he was the coach, this is really, he's even told the story. They mm -hmm. even drafted comps they hadn't even practiced Raz in the playoffs. Like, he yeah. just had to stand there as they drafted in the actual fucking, like, OGN final comps. And he was like, well, we didn't practice these. Like, yeah. <laughs> Great. I guess I'm just yeah, signing up on this with my position. Exactly. That was part of like the memes of like the CLG <laughs> yeah, Korean boot camp was like we practiced entirely different compositions. Exactly. And I came, I uh, they came back to the States and then I started watching the draft. They were playing like Lucian, Zillion, Botlane. I was like, 
Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. It's <laughs> like, I know they haven't practiced this. Like, I know. And, and then the people are like, Monty sucks. I'm like, exactly. Monty's <laughs> fucking garbage. Doesn't even get the matter. He's totally misexecuted this comp. What's he doing, this bloody idiot coach? Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, so uh, did... Of course, if they, if, listen, if so, I don't care if LS was stood there. If something goes, I'm taking reacted. He has no choice. He has to just let him do it at that point. That's yeah. just the reality in it. Because at the end of the day, like you can practice certain things throughout the uh, uh, scrims and everything in practice time, but when it comes to stage games, like of course you are coordinating a proper draft. But like at the end of the day, if he's saying these are the list of champions I want to play in this draft, you're gonna have to play it and have the conversation during scrims, like yes. of like of, of what you could do better and why you didn't like the pick. You don't want to be like, I want you to play Malphite, <laughs> you know? And, and when he's like, No, I'm not gonna do it, because if he ints on that pick, then it comes back to you. Yes. Um, it's already a precarious situation, too, because it, if you think about the the entire scenario, I mean, we've touched on this before, but it really doesn't help that Max Waldo is younger than Summit in terms of Korean age hierarchies. Like there there is it's unlikely, I will say, given my experience, that, that Summit's going to like bend to Max Waldo's authority under those Max circumstances. Waldo looks like a fucking extra from Scott Pilgrim versus the World movie. That's like true. he doesn't look like Ed Coach material. What are you talking about? Just so, saying, just saying, I, you know, I, you know, I, I think I think also the rest of the coaching staff, like they let Mithy leave during the offseason yeah. and the entire team is built around. So their other assistant coaches are also serving as translators like they are intended to be the bridge between the Korean players and and the English speaking players. And yeah. so this entire structure was built around LS and the the disciples of LS and then the the Korean coaches that were supposed to like help yes. bridge the gap and so when when the when the keystone of the arch is plucked out I hate to tell you guys the arch doesn't stay intact it just fucking collapses on itself by and the that's way it. there's another thing as well which is this is where because I consider myself the custodian of the narratives I hate when people have like a whack one that gets rolling and it just gets out of control right everyone's take was so whack after this series because everyone's take went like this they were all like wow ha. Bet Cloud9 wishes they had LS now, right? Based on the things I know about that situation, that thought never went through their brain once. Here was what they actually thought, and it's going to hurt a lot of your feelings. What they actually thought was this. Shit, imagine how much worse it would have gone if we'd kept LS. That's what they were thinking, Monty. I'll tell you right now. And I don't care if anyone goes, oh my God, what does that mean? You figure out what that fucking means. I don't have to. But that, <laughs> I don't think there was a fucking tear shed for LS in yeah. that house yeah, when he, in this playoff series. Like, there are plenty of problems that I'd fuck off. He was gone ages ago. There's the other thing. Because we fans it feels like he left yesterday he left after like bloody week two it's the it's, we're in the playoffs now boys that's ancient history to cloud nine in, in fact i think people will be mad about the the reality of this and i i haven't talked to anybody at c9 but if i had to guess what the c9's takeaways are from this it's that we never should have gone this hard yeah. into one it person yes. because it fucked our entire split yep. when that one person didn't work out so if anything and I, I know a lot of people are going to hate to hear this. Cloud9 is only going to lean harder into the systems that they want to use yep. because those systems have produced. And people, you can meme on Cloud9 as much as you want, but they have been the most successful NA team internationally in League of Legends history. That's oh, just something. a fucking fact. When they and say that, think about that. You know what everyone memed on the systems, right? As though it's just a term and it means nothing, right, Monty? 
Dude, look at what they've done. How many fucking rookies have they produced that became players yes. that could be sold to top players? Yep. How many people have they had who came through who were like broken players from TSM or other squads that they rehabilitated to be good? They, like, of all the teams, they're the only one in any that could make that brag and actually have some like, validity Correct. to it. I thought Correct. that was so silly when fans were memeing on that. Yeah. Like, I get that they haven't done it now, obviously. By the way, spoiler, because LS came fucking in and probably disrupted all the shit and they had to redo it all. Well, it's also the fact that I'm sure a bunch of salty TSM fans that are mad about their team being so shit are trying to pile on C9, even though well, they, the they objectively, yes. C9, it, yes. here's the other thing. In spite of all of the mega problems, C9 still got top four. <laughs> Like, <laughs> what do you what do you want from this roster? Is it disappointing? Sure, you know, given given what we knew coming into the season, but the fact that they still managed to get top four in spite of all of the fucking problems that were happening—that's true. Uh, is kind playoffs. of impressive. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So said. yeah, I you know, and you, maybe you guys and it, you can objectively say, well, C 9s systems are never going to win a world championship. No NA team's ever going to win a world championship, guys. It's it's a systemic problem. Yeah, like, so you that's, right, that's not realistic. What's <laughs> fucked is you've nailed the psychology of TSM fans. It's like there's a famous thing I was once told, right, about Russian culture that supposedly when they were in like the Soviet period and everything sucked because you were in, like the totalitarian system, people didn't really think like, oh, I hope things get better. What you would think was this. Well, if, essentially, you would just think, well, I hope the neighbor's fucking sheep dies as well. The premise was like if it's going to suck it may as well suck for everyone that is how tsm fans work they don't think i hope tsm turns around it's really good they're like well at least fucking cloud nine sucks as well yeah but jack also he also <laughs> does some things that i don't like like is that your only corp is to just go well, yeah but what about jack it's like we're talking about Reginald and the fact your team's in last place. Yeah, but Jack, his team hasn't fully worked out, has it? It's got systems and that. Like, you little rats. Just get the fuck out. TSM fans, the one thing you were supposed to be good at was talking shit. You're not even good at that anymore. I mean, obviously, TSM's international performance is pathetic, given yeah. given the history. Um, so... Uh, you know, as much as as much as you can bag on T nine C nine, and maybe you could argue maybe their systems don't allow them to achieve potentially the same ceiling if the, as opposed to they change them. They do provide a very stable floor, guys. They provide a very stable yeah, fucking yeah. floor. <laughs> and the other thing I think C nine will probably regret is that historically they don't like diva players and they actually eject diva players from the team very actively. Like I, I know from talking to Jack, Jack really values grinders he likes low ego grinders um within his team and so i think that he's probably reconsidering having a player like summit on this roster that seems that where summit's ego at least from all the available evidence that we have mm -hmm. it appears that summit's ego is like trumping everything on this roster because like you guys oh, are shit. saying i just realized now i know what went wrong in the off season so they got together raz and they were like we're gonna get on the same page we're gonna philosophically see eye to eye me and ULS, jack and ls right and then jack goes i love grinders and then ls goes yeah me too and they were like fuck but the problem is, though, Jack's a boomer. He doesn't know Raz. There's another <laughs> meaning to the word grinder. And it isn't, it isn't someone who loves League of Legends. It isn't. It isn't. Jesus. Anyway. Don't respond to that. Don't respond to that. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think, like, if you look at the C9 success, it has been it has been built off of this very stable foundation. And way, what would you there's, get there's no you, way. Listen, you know Cloud9 a bit as an org, right? But obviously you, you, you weren't a coach, right? Well, how would you characterize what the systems they're talking about? Like, what's the sex? Obviously, it's been made in this big meme topic. Just give us a basic context. Like, what do you think they mean when they say that? Like, how they do things? Or what is the logic of what they're talking about, do you think? 
Because no one's ever actually done that. No one's ever discussed what these bloody things are, which is just a vague concept. It sounds like, essentially, I, th I think the reason people think it's silly is it sounds like middle management speaking of, like, we have a system and, you know, there's a hierarchy and, a, like, no one really knows what it means, though. It sounds a bit vague. So what is your sense for what, what they mean by that? What's well, they, the do have they have a personal trainer that comes to the house every day okay. uh, during the week. Um, they do have mandatory um, workout sessions that they go to, um, like, basically five days a week. Um and so they value the kind of physical fitness end of things. They do have a sports psychologist who is very active in terms of holding one-on-one -on -one sessions with the players and keeping a certain mentality within the team. They have very distinct um, kind of diet, uh, dietary guides. Like they have in-house chefs that prepare food. They kind of switched back over to Korean food, I know, this year to accommodate many of the Korean players that were, um, that were within the team. So they... They like to have team meetings. They have a certain way that they conduct the team meetings in order to give feedback to other players. They tend the players tend to be pretty direct with each other, and they try and remove the emotional element from people reacting to potential criticism by making it kind of a more open environment um, okay. and kind of stressing the way that feedback isn't personal. Well, sounds um, good so far. Yeah, I, I, look, I think the environment is quite good, uh, you know, what what they have and what they've emphasized within the team in order to fix problems. Again, they are very focused on continual improvement and grinding overall. I think that's why players like Licorice, who don't like to practice as much, were not, you know, they, they kind of get rid of those players over time. Um, because I think Jack is very canny about kind of seeing the limits of a player's performance. And if there's one thing you can say about Jack, he does tend to remove players from the roster, even though they look good at the time, yeah. in in the hope that eventually, um, like, knowing that they've kind of hit the ceiling. Like, I, if there's yeah. something that, and it's not every time, guys, like people will point to Vulcan in this case, but also... If you look at Vulcan, it was very clear that they were changing directions to have like a Korean speaking bot lane. And it wasn't necessarily about Vulcan's performance. I also think there was some friction between Vulcan and Zven um, in the bot lane in terms of kind of the philosophy of how they wanted to play the game, which was resulted in kind of some of the swapping out of Zven that we saw last year. Um, but I do, I do the think exceptions, though, you are right. If you look generally, they haven't made many wrong picks where the guy was better after cloud nine, have they? Like the, like the rare exceptions is what Vulcan and maybe Jensen. That's about it. Like other than that, you look like licorice, Zazo, fucking contracts. Like, dude, they haven't put a foot wrong. Usually, usually when they kick the people, it is like the Belichick move. You kick them slightly earlier than the fans, but, for, you, for but you know more than them and you, you kick them at the right time. Yeah. It's Van Scaren, obviously yeah. a great one. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that Jack has a really excellent, excellent sense of when like players are burning out or when they're kind of on the upswing or the downswing. That's why you see him investing sure. so hard in a young player like Fudge, who really has done well. I mean, I think Jack evaluates certain things. It's like, okay, Fudge came in. Fudge was very confident. He performed well, very well in Academy. I watched a bunch of those games last year. Yep. Then he goes into LCS. Um, he's actually in high pressure situations at like you know, MSI, he's their best performing player, which is really yeah. shocking. Um, so you see that confidence. He He's a player who is very thoughtful in my conversations with him. He exudes a level of confidence. He's willing to play for the team to make this swap. He's willing to play all of these different picks. So he's willing to grind the time. He's willing to play around his teammates. Like Jack loves these kind of players. This is why yeah. Fudge is the face of the team right now. Yeah, and he made the role swap to mid. And in my mind, I know he went all uh, third all pro. He was the second best, like, uh, mid laner in the in the LCS, like he had grown to a pretty quick degree, and I think he can get there in next split depending on what the mid lane pool looks like. I know this 
was a pretty weak split for midland yeah. pool but like he just he just is able to whenever he's put in a position just grow and develop to a really quick degree which is his best thing and i agree on the sense of like i, I think they'll probably just make the move away from uh what's it called from summit even if he is the yeah. best top laner because they know that they're limiting themselves and even if we don't think that north america can win a worlds or all these things like jack himself will always put himself in a position where he, he will think about the ceiling and try and get as far as possible like a semifinals is like for him the step he wants to get back to um so that's what's impressive about cloud nine and to think about ls like if ls was on that team from point a to point c uh I think they would still face the same problems because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Maybe you can make the case for authority. Um, but at the end of the day, like if a person is stubborn and is confident, you know, has a large ego, like the only other move is to, of course, uh, move, like make a roster move. Like you actually are li extremely limited in what you're able to do. So I think it was just a really bad situation, this split. That being said, this split was always going to be felt like experimental uh, for a lot of teams, TSM, Cloud9. Yeah. Like, they can always just kind of pivot for Worlds. So I do expect a large change. And I think that I hope Fudge stays. Berserker is a weird one. I hope he stays too, but I know they have Zven, and probably Berserker would be the most sought um, person in offseason just because being Korean, he has many options and... Uh, China in LCK, and if the offer is large enough, they can always have Zven in their back pocket, um, and they can just run a Zven Isles bot lane or yeah. Berserker Isles bot lane. I think Cloud Nine right now is pretty set on three of their core players, um, so I think they're going to be fine. I think the only thing they need to look think about is coaching, but I think I would like for them to keep Max and just have him have some semblance of control over the roster that he can build, um, because I think in general that will make the direction of the team much easier from the outset if the players aligned with their coaching staff. That's what made the Reaper rosters really good. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's what made kind of uh, a little bit like the, the uh, what's it called? The Mythy roster really good. They still went, they got out of group stage in a really tough-ass group. It's because Mythy had a good rapport with the European players that they had on that roster. And so you need to have a coach that that is there when the team is built up. Um, so... It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I think Cloud Nine will be fine going yeah. into the next split. And it, they've got a lot of flexibility, as you said earlier, Raz. Because <laughs> when you look at, you know, Fudge may not want to move back into top lane, but if you do move Fudge back into top lane and you get Jensen or a resident, like Jensen's a resident mid laner, then all yeah. of a sudden you can import a European support to pair with Sven, right? Yeah. Um. So there, there's many different ways that you could move this roster around that I think, you know, could could potentially be interesting there's also like do you want to potentially get tenacity from 100 thieves into the top lane like that could be another play that you could make if That's you want to keep fudge mid and then you can also uh keep a, a a support player or get a support player um as an import yeah um so i think there's there's many ways that cloud nine could go about this but I mean, I don't think Summit's coming back because it's not like Jack has been afraid to swap out MVP players. He's literally did it with Sven Skarin for Blabber. Like that's, yep. that's just who Jack makes very quick decisions. It, it's the same reason, like after two weeks of competition, he got rid of LS. If it's not working, Jack will change it. He's not going to, he's not ride or die on things that he thinks are going south. And um, so I, I don't anticipate this roster is going to be coming back in this iteration. I, I think they sell Berserker. I think they... I think they just don't have Korean players anymore on this roster. That's what I think. Um, yeah. And as for as for Max, 
you know, um, I hope he gets to do what he wants because it just feels like he is not in a position where he can, he and Vagar can exert their strategic authority on this team. So having them be the ones who are selecting the players and everyone coming in with the understanding that they're in control does a lot. It does yeah. a lot. Yeah. But obviously, the other thing that was the big shock so far of the playoffs is when this split began, the story was actually supposed to be the idea that everyone thought these super teams from Cloud9 and TL were too good on paper. And even teams actually, Raz, like 100 Thieves, weren't even being considered by people. People thought they were like, oh, they, they, that was just the split, summer split. They had a good, you know, they got it together, but they, they weren't that great at Worlds, blah, blah, blah. Right. We're in a scenario now where not only is 100 Thieves the only upper bracket team, but man, Team Liquid has also had a fuck. They've been put through the rig of these playoffs. Like, they five have. game series against EG, five game series against Hundred Thieves. Like they've had all their weaknesses exposed, man. This is another team that looks like I, 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 at this point. By the way, I'm just looking for the LCS. Like who's going to win? Because I, I can't look at any of these teams and go, they're going to go internationally and do good at MSI. Like yeah. NA is looking a bit rough for MSI. Yeah, I think also a misconception people have on Team Liquid because of their like pretty long history of being the slow paced, uh, scaling up team, is, is, thinking that this is going to be the same team. Like this team is actually pretty fight hungry with uh and, and takes quite a few risks with Whippo. And at times Core JJ, like if they see a fight, they'll take it. And that's what's worked against them when they went up against EG. Sure, they won that series, but when they started the their games on in a deficit, when they started the games either losing five flashes on level ones, four flashes with level ones or something, they they didn't slow the pace down down. <laughs> like that that's something that uh Team Liquid has to kind of centralize themselves on and then the series they had versus 100 thieves was pretty much the same thing um like Blippo had a really bad series um versus 100 and, and it was rough and it was that and a little bit of the draft it kind of goes back to the conversation that we had versus c9 where orn was pretty damn good um and their picks versus it was always going to be losing later and because of how Blippo played and a, a few times the rest of the members on uh, Team Liquid, they just fell behind early uh, or didn't have a, a significant enough early game lead. So we could probably talk about it if we want to here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I one of the things I love about Bwipo is like he's incredibly knowledgeable about the game and like he's he's definitely one of the most cerebral pro players, I think, yes. in the West. Um, but like sometimes he just like outsmarts himself in really weird ways like i i get what you're doing when you're trying to when you're trying to like play the solution and you're trying to push the early aggressive angle and this is how you think you're going to win the game by like having the ari open on the map and being able to like help you dive or you're going to push out and and you're going to do so, a, a significant amount of poke damage in combination with the ezreal but it, it requires i think very big victories uh in the early game in order to play out and no. i think sometimes I think what happens with Team Liquid is they run these kind of compositions or like specialized counter picks and they win scrims really hard. And then they're like, this is it. And then people play more conservatively in actual professional games. You don't get those kind of leads and then you just fall off a cliff and you realize that Orin, why Orin is super fucking good. Yeah. Um, and I think when they've been at their best, Team Liquid has been playing more of a weak side top lane, which is tough for Bwipo because he wants to dominate these matchups with these like kind of weird counter picks or like very exclusive Bwipo picks and show off his wide champion pool and his team. It just seems like there's a disconnect sometimes between the way he wants to play the game and the way his team does it, it to a lesser degree than the, the summit angle. Right. But it does feel like a kind of similar issue, except with summit summit wants to play very specific champs and Bwipo wants to like 
play counter champs. It's it's weird. Yeah. yeah. And so they oftentimes go up against an Orn or something. And I do think the meta is moving away against what he wants to play. If he wants to play GP, I think that's completely fine. I think the GP pick is is super relevant because you can still play towards bot side. But the Graves pick and Lucian pick were very much like, okay, you are not you're not actually going to get a significant enough advantage to put Orn behind. Even in games that you watch through EU Masters and everything, if Orn is like 20 or something CS behind, like <laughs> He is still going to be a behemoth by like thirteen level thirteen, like and also just the passive of like the ten percent uh, bonus HP MR armor, like four yep. percent. Every time he upgrades uh, a, a, a what's it called um, an item for his yep. team. People don't like, know that Zelda dude. Like, it's so powerful, isn't it? I know. It's it's really stupid, and so uh, it's one of those things where people don't. If you don't have a significant enough advantage, yeah, like so you can do that versus teams you're really confident against. So the draft that they had in game three, no, in game four. Um, oh wait, no, this was game three. This is a game that they were gonna. If they actually took this, they would have clean swept hundred thieves. Where they put picked Graves, and in the early game, not only gets he, he does he get pushed up because he had like call longsword versus it was uh, Warden's Mail. On Orin. And so Orin just completely bullies him out of lane. And then he comes back and he actually loses the 1v1 to the Orin. Because <laughs> at this point, he actually has Spellbook Ignite. And he probably didn't expect that. <laughs> just, and well, he's it's, literally it's just also, in the lane. It's also that, that he was building, like, he was building, like, Eclipse yeah. Collector. So he wasn't building for the Orin 1v1, right? And then he was getting crapped on. Like, uh, Whippo's job in that is to actually just annihilate the carries. And, like, uh, when you... when it, The play style was not matching the way he was building. Yeah. Is basically it. Yeah. I think, because that build at three items, I think, is good. Because I don't know if he was going Collector. I think he was probably going LDR because of the... Oh, no, he went Collector. He went Collector? Okay, well, never mind. He went mind. Collector in Game 3. Oh, never mind. <laughs> he did. Never he mind. went Collector and LDR. There you go. Oh, there we go. There we have it. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a flurry of sequences. Because after that lane, then there was the Rift Herald fight where he just he's just autoing the Orn that does not care, and he's on the opposite side of the for his team. So it was like whether or not they were going to take the fight, it was based off of the Smite fight on uh, uh, Rift Herald, and so they don't really go for it. Like they don't commit. It's on. It's on Santorin. And so he is actually the only hittable member from Team Liquid, and they just kill him. So they not only do they get Rift Herald, they kill uh, Whippo, who's now just like at this point so far behind, they just cannot take team fights versus this team. Even if they had like a 1k goal lead, it, they were just getting outscaled. So that game was just straight up from the draft and also from the early game and how he played the matchup. He's, that's just a loss. I mean, the reason this relevant though is, like I said, you look at like that he's going if he if he goes to the finals, he's going to be playing against this motherfucking on all day long against Impact, and then someday, so he's going to have to get this figured out, mate. The other problem yeah. I have with Whippo is this: I actually have this is something I've always held from LEC. I actually love the variability of Whippo in lane because I actually always thought he's one of the Western players I want to see against Koreans. Like he could fuck you up. He could try some move yeah. you don't expect on a champion you do not think can do it, and he can get a kill on you. But here's the problem: he also I I don't like it when like for example the games I've seen in L LCS where he tries to split push. Like mate, he is not someone I can trust with the lead. Like he will just fucking he'll find a way to die. He'll find a way in. He'll find a way to throw. Like I have a hard time trusting him in the late game is the problem he's just constantly on the limit and i think that's you're right like that's his best attribute is if he's going up against some of the best teams he will 
find those advantages early exactly. and he'll constantly look to push it and his team has to be on the same page with him. And so I agree. Like I think Whippo is still someone and he's also all the things you said about Fudge, about being uh, insightful and honestly like self-critical. Yeah, that's yeah. the same thing with Whippo. So I do expect him to get better off of it. Actually, the series that he had versus Evil Geniuses where he locked in when he knew he was going to get dove. I think it was the, that was the Nidalee Renekton game. He's like, okay, sweet. I'm going to play Scion. I'm going to go uh, dematerializer. I will actually ward the earlier bushes in the lane. So any attempt you try to actually gank or dive me, it will fail. Like, he is a very smart player on that. So I think, yeah, Team Look is probably going to turn into the boring team. I mean, it's actually just might happen as a result of this. Um, So, but yeah, they ended up losing because of this. And the sad reality is Game 5's draft was just really good from Team Liquid. I actually thought they played that draft out really well. They denied uh, Twisted Fate's options. Um, But then they had, like, two to three fights in a row. They just lost because they just hard ran it. Uh, Bjergsen's, um, he actually used... Uh, Valkyrie because he had package yeah package Valkyrie straight through mid lane when dragon was coming up they could have played that one out slowly so because they had full control of that river um so he actually gets double gold carded or an ulti and just dies and they lose that like okay that's one fight uh they see four members so I know at the time people were unsure because oh wait was did they only see twisted fate topside like and they just hard ran top lane in that uh barren area fight it's like no they knew there were four members top lane they just thought that they can win that fight regardless because they had all their members but Zeri had flash. Twisted Fate had flash. They were always going to win that fight if Zeri played properly. So I think they just choked it at the end. Um, it was probably, especially if they're in that situation, you can hear the crowds. You don't expect to lose well, the series. And you're just like hard inting again and again, two games in a row. I, I also think people people overplayed the Abadage backdoor because the only reason the Abadage backdoor was necessary is because Hundred Thieves pushed too far into the base yes, yeah. and all died, and then they Hundred Thieves basically made a mistake that forced the the backdoor to be necessary, yes. and then people will focus on you know obviously like Bjergsen should not have teleported in that scenario to the elder drake or at least shouldn't have uh, come that early yeah or put control ward in their base something like that yeah yeah i, yeah. I mean there there were there were a lot of things like there wasn't team liquid played it too quickly and made a macro error when i think they had more time than they realized because the actual elder kill would have been quite slow and so they just didn't play it out properly i mean yes that's true but also 100 thieves should have won the game before that even occurred true. now the other the other scenario that i think is interesting here with that particular game is like i think what goes unmentioned is that there was a lot of pressure on Team Liquid in order to kind of accelerate this game or force a win. Because if you actually consider the compositions, like Shen, Shen doesn't have a good ult target in the late game besides Alistair. And if you want to engage with the Shen. And so if Alistair's ult is down, that becomes a very difficult option. Uh, for the Shen player. So you yeah. really are limited in, and you're you're kind of, you have only certain windows around Alistair ult where you can actually effectively engage with the Shen because the Volibear is also going to be quite squishy on any kind of engage in the late game. Okay, so you have some poke coming in from Corky and Zaya, but this Corky build doesn't yeah. have a Ludens. Yeah. So that's going to that's gonna limit some of the damage that you can do from your poke. And then even if you are doing poke damage, I think someday building the Warmogs was really smart so that he can you know, absorb a lot of that damage because there isn't 
magic damage coming through, he's able to build very armor heavy with a war mogs, which means that the, the poke damage just isn't going to stick. So if you're looking at the composition from Team Liquid, I felt like their goals in team fights were really, really telegraphed. Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty easy for 100 Thieves to read what they were trying to do and then counteract that because you are so limited in the way you can engage as Team Liquid and your poke isn't going to do anything. So I feel like the longer this game goes on, the more 100 Thieves favored it becomes. Yeah, actually, I forgot about to mention... Uh... Or even just the Corky build in general. If they had a Ludens, this would have been a better game because at least they would have, like, he was landing poke. It just didn't do anything because he was shield bow Corky. <laughs> like, it was like, it was like, okay, you're hitting your ulti. Nice. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it, that would have been a game changer. Absolutely. Because then at least if Zeri is walking up to you, you can do something. But now you just have complete team fight kite back with, um, with Zaya, which is pretty meaningless. So I, I, that is, that's pretty tough. I mean, what is the Shen supposed to do in the late game? Is the problem like what is this? Sure. What, what does he do? It's yeah, you're right. It's basically to either go on Volibear or or Alistar to start the the fight and try and get on top of Zeri. Um, that does. I just think it's really yeah. predictable when you when you set up these these kind of compositions, and which is true. Here's the I thing: what misses this? How is fucking Zeri in all these games? When I watch all the other agents, you never fucking see this champion <laughs> played. It's like instabanned immediately. It's just played all the time. Not only that, Raz, they're giving it to like the best ADCs in the region. Like it's so yeah. bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, and I I do think that whole strategy, by the way, is fine as long as if they're walking up to you, if you're on Drit, if Drake stacking, uh, uh, or you're on Elder, like there's actual consequences. Like poke, that's the whole value of Quirky, and and having some, and maybe like the uh, the build that Zaya had, if you end up like just sending cues at like a Twisted Fate or a Zeri that's walking up, yes, it will be it will be more meaningful. But they have nothing, so that's a lot of the times. I remember uh, back in some of the comps that we were drafting in Academy and I guess on stage was like, oh, if we are p picking kiteback comps, we better be able to win fights if they're at full HP or we should have poke. A lot of the times poke and kiteback, if you have Jace or um, in, this, in these situations, like Corky is just more relevant to the meta, then yes, like you for sure should be building Ludin. So that was really just weird. I agree. If the game goes on a little longer, it's just a better team fight situation for 100 thieves um but team liquid had an advantage consistently because of how well they were playing that game so they should have been able to close out it's just tough so i think as like kind of wrapping that one up i think team liquid in the combine of that series were the better team it's just weird to say because of how the draft shook up but 100 yeah, yeah. thieves for sure just played so poorly at the beginning, like at the first two games in the series, specifically Huhi and FBI. They're either getting caught out, caught out um, specifically FBI getting caught out when he knows that his support's roaming and he's walking up to the wave and disrespecting uh, Core JJ. Or there was literally game one where Huhi dies to the level two of Nautilus because he just didn't expect it when he should have. He probably just blanked at that point. So their bot lane, 100 Thieves bot lane, was just underperforming to a, such a large degree that you can't even say, oh, it's because it was Core JJ and Han Sama putting in like their typical types of pressure. No, it was just them really, really uh, um, fucking up. And so I, if this happens again, and I expect Team Liquid to get to that finals with 100 Thieves, it's going to be a lot more competitive. I still would favor 100 Thieves like I did before this series. Um, but 
it should be better. I always say it should be better. We'll see what actually happens. <laughs> I mean, I and I think too, Hundred Thieves probably learned a lot, especially from game one. Like they wanted to counterpick the Silas into the TF. They wanted yeah. to play this set support. It was clearly kind of experimental from them. Uh, game two, I think it's I think it's really rough to play Vex and uh, Vex Viego into Jarvan LeBlanc early. Cause even though mm. Vex is in theory, like a LeBlanc counterpick, that two V two in the early game is not going to be fun for you. Yeah. If you're, if you're Vex Viego. And so I think they learn like, okay, as, as good as closer has been historically on this Viego, like we need the, the kind of strong early game, you know, mid jungle combo. And when they started taking away the Jarvan and like focusing on that pick, it ended up, like a lot better for them. And at least by the, the last game, when you have Viego TF, like you can actually set up like the chain CC that makes it a little bit more effective. Also, you're not super scared of a Corky in the early game anyway. So it's yeah. not that big of a deal. 100%. Um, so I, I think that for me, what I saw over the course of the series was kind of like the learnings from, from a hundred thieves that, okay, we need to prioritize more early game junglers. This is going to be more effective, at least to help Abadage, who was getting absolutely shit on in game two. Yeah. Uh, it was really not fun for him to play that game. And yeah. then we can, from there, we can actually start doing more things on the map and we can neutralize the advantage because Bjergsen was kind of getting out of control in the first couple of games. Who do you favor, Monty, for the final? Assuming it's 100 Thieves TL is the match, we're going to assume those are the finalists. Okay, so it depends on a couple of things. Like, again, I think that whatever is going on in scrims where Bwipo's getting big advantages early and they're able to translate these things into victories should not be counted on in terms of the finals. So I think if he plays more standard compositions and standard matchups, I think that Team Liquid is probably slightly favored. If they've learned nothing and 100 Thieves has decided that they want to play very powerful mid-jungle combos to enable Closer and Abadage, that's the best way that they're going to be able to win these games. I don't think they need bot push or bot aggression. I don't think that's necessary. I think FBI and Huhi will do well in the team fights in the late game. It's sometimes very stable on the weak side. So if I were them, I'd just focus on mid lane for Ab Abadage, get him ahead. And then basically you force Hansama or Bwipo to carry, and Bwipo was not capable of doing that in this series, even when he was on ostensibly carry champions or in matchups that he liked. Yeah. And I do think you need uh, counter, counter pick support. Jungle at this point is so meaningless in the draft that you could you either are first picking it, like we're seeing first pick Lee Sens, Viego, Wallabear. It's always kind of been the, the trend of um, any meta is that, okay, like, we want to counter pick for jungle, but the moment the lanes are, especially bot lane, is becoming really important. And so either be it shove or just how the team comp um, generally plays out, kind of like the learnings from the C9 EG game where they're, we're seeing a lot more the Karmas, the Yumis. If you're able to play mage supports and kind of not lose out in your ability to take, still take team fights because you have a J4, then great, let's early pick J4. Um, so I don't expect to see J4, Viego, um, and like Lee Sin bans, I think those are still gonna all be up. We're even seeing EG still play like Nocturne blind or like really early picks. Um, so I would favor, I would favor 100 Thieves, like I said. And I think it's just going to be because their bot lane has been strong. Their team fights overall have been, uh, their team fighting has been overall strong. Like Closer and Someday have just been their most consistent players, period. And have been like someday has just been the best top laner right now. Oh, it's legit as fucking it is. Renaissance run is so nice to see. Mm, it's crazy to see someday at this level again. 
Because uh, obviously, so, you know, it was a bit whack that he won when, like, it was his worst split ever, arguably, you know. Like, it's actually yes. cool. He's good while they, they're actually a top team now. Exactly. So the top team is, they're a top team now. He can play carries if he wants to, the carries in, in being Trinomir, but he could do that. Uh, and, and I think that they understand the drafts. Um, they will prioritize Orn, and they will not get punished. If they do, it's going to be Team Liquid trying to play Scion, GP, or Aatrox. And I don't think, I don't think the Scion and GP, or at least the Scion and Aatrox are going to be significant enough. Because even if Scion does well in early lane, it's still going to be a late-game Scion versus a fucking Orn gifting his teammates 1k extra gold per member. Yeah. You're like, okay, <laughs> nice, well, helpful. Well, also, I think what's interesting is TL banned Lee Sin in every single game of this series, which is really not a good sign because this is a pick that in LPL right now is like risen to first rotation, like either first pick blue side or first rotation red side. Yeah. Um, and if they cannot play that pick, then it then what what it does is it puts the premium on the Jarvan and the Volibear in a way, in which case, you know, if Hundred Thieves is on is on blue side, like they have this opportunity to, to like ban one of them and first pick one. And then what does Santorin play? Knowing Santorin is probably Trundle. Like that's just like the higher, the hierarchy of Santorin junglers. So I think there's some really uncomfortable situations that hundred thieves can put team liquid into. And especially considering they're going to have side selection in first game. I think you do favor them a bit because I think yeah. hundred thieves has to change. The reason I say this is I think hundred thieves has to change less than team liquid has to change to win this final. Yeah. Yes. And and I think generally speaking, if we already saw 100 Thieves win in a best of 5 and they have to change less, then you tend to favor that team sure. at least in this specific matchup. Yeah. One thing I love by the way is that even though in theory, if you actually understand the premise of Vaughn, it seems like it should be broken as fuck. Like it seems like everyone should know how to play to that. But the genius of why it works is this, because think of the sort of people who play League of Legends though. Essentially, Orn is like an adult's version, Monty, of that famous thing. They there's like a psychological test they do on kids called the marshmallow test, where they mm -hmm. take a kid who's like I think it's if you're like seven, six or seven years old. Delayed gratification. You take a kid, right, Raz, yeah. and you tell him, right, you can either eat this marshmallow now. Or I'm going to leave the room for 30 seconds. And if it's still there when I come back, you get another one. And the problem is, like, they, they purposely pick the age so they're not, like, super rational. But the idea is the ones who have poor impulse control just eat the mushroom, the, not mushroom, the marshmallow immediately, and they don't get another one, right? It's the same with Orn, because in theory, right, if I explained, like, in some of these drafts, you know, if you just don't do anything, you get stronger and stronger. Yeah, but if anyone's ever played League of Legends, if you're a top player trying to get your teammates not to fight and have skirmishes constantly, yeah. it's like, you, you never have something to happen. Like, like, you know that in theory it will be better, guys, but they, you'll never stop them doing it. It's the yeah. same as if you're a mid laner and you're super powerful and you're split pushing and all you're telling you call your comment the whole time is just don't fight until I group with you. Just don't fight. Just let me get this last wave. They'll always fight on that wave. They will always <laughs> fucking dive the inhibitor, everything. They'll never fucking wait for you to group with them. Don't worry about that. It's end now, boys. You have to understand. So let's I I, I want to see the dynamic on the on in that sense. Because it's just gonna be in every series, it's gonna be one of the main picks. It will be like unless if it's banned, it's just going to be a constant. Is I think every team has now respected it, even if the top laner on a team. And I don't think Blippo has like a, an ego, and he understands the value of the pick. They're just probably going to ban it if he doesn't want to play it, or he'll play it. Yes, um, he might even play himself a few times. Yeah, true. Yeah. So I think that's just going to be the constant. I mean, I think the problem with these some of these bans though is like if Team Liquid starts on red side and they already feel like they have to ban Lee Sin, and then they have to feel they feel like they have to ban Orn, that's going to leave up significant power picks yeah i think as, the problem for team liquid is that i think team liquid's problem is that they're probably going to pick trundle or volibear and they're going to go up against zeri if they don't ban it or jinx mm. 
like Zeri or Jinx, and they're just going to get kited to hell. Those two champions, specific, uh, mostly Volibear, is so bad in the later portions of the game, and you cannot threaten the back line. Um, I, I think Volibear is definitely needs to be benched. Um. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I think I, I think it's I think given what we've seen, it's it's hard to predict Team Liquid. But the upside of this roster, and and we talked about this last week too, but it's it is embarrassing this Team Liquid roster it, it, with all the cloud. Like basically, Cloud Nine is like tanked all the fan aggro for you know not unrealized expectations, and nobody's actually focusing on the fact that this should be in theory on paper the best roster maybe in LCS history. For yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. like this roster, if this yes. roster cannot do damage at an international level, like what hope is there left for NA? Like they built, they yes. waited for, this is, this is like, this is like, you know, in Dune, when the Bene Gesserit had to take like thousands of years to produce the Muad'Dib, like very deliberately. Sassan Rock, but yeah. <laughs> the Sassan Rock, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, and so when you when you look at this roster, this roster took years and years and years and years of planning yeah, yeah. and like, deliberate yeah, exactly. like, luring Bjergsen from yes. TSM. And it's like, if this roster isn't the one, isn't the, like the great shining exactly. hope of North America, what is, right? What well, could the is, obviously, Steve Ahanset and Bjergsen, who's like, he, he recreated that scene. He was like, at last, we reveal ourselves to the Jedi. But then the problem with that is, you're already <laughs> fucked, because if you say that line, you're in a Star Wars prequel, so it's already a bad movie, so it's over already. See what I did there? See what happens with you in there? I'll, I'll, I'll you in that. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I did not expect that. But yeah, like, so, you know, Cloud9 has been tanking all this aggro, so I guess nobody's just mad at Team Liquid, and this team that should never go to the bracket that was by far the favorite amongst all the unknowns because you mentioned earlier Raz, like we didn't know uh what was going to happen this season but what we did know was this fucking team liquid roster was straight fire and had it was carrying the absolute weight of being the by far championship favorites on paper of any team and this team should be able to in theory contest top teams around the world and the fact that they are their macro play in the late game. It seems so suspect. Their draft is kind of not on point right now. It really makes you wonder why people are not more frustrated with what's going on with Team Liquid right now because it it is it is underwhelming and there's a possibility that they don't even make the finals. I mean, one thing I'll say yeah. as well is like this is yeah. also for me where people have to look at like what what personnel you pick because. Giotto as the coach has never been on a team like this before. He's never had like the biggest roster with all the offseason signing super team. He's always working with either like good team that's like a like a playoff team, maybe trying to break through to a world spot, or he works with a team that's like borderline playoff team. He's he's usually the guy where for me he's more like the Dylan Falco thing. It's like you're out there, you're trying to find a player who's all right and figure figure out how to use him and then make this guy a little bit better and have a clever draft. Like super teams are different. Super teams are about like managing the egos, figure out who's actually in charge of. Like there's so many complicated things there. Like the hardest task in the game, in my opinion. It's really tough, and I do think that they'll learn their lessons. And he's talked about it a few times about like the being on a, t- a team like this is extremely easy when you have the amount of veterans that you do that could talk through things on an objective level. But then there's the difficulty of like when you feel like the limit there, like there is no limit, that it's hard to cap yourselves. Yes. It's hard to say. We should stop here. This is the play style that, we, like, this is what we should be playing, or we shouldn't go for these fights. Yeah, yeah. 
when you feel very confident as a team that you should just be astronomically better. Um, yes. So we'll see what the conclusions are when they go up against EG. I just do think I do think this will be a better series for Team Liquid versus EG because now they're face to face with their problems. So it's a lot easier to go through uh, scrims or I don't know how many scrims are actually having with the teams that are available now, but at least like going through the VODs uh, with, you know, a little humbled, like going through the games and now re realizing, okay, yeah, we failed. <laughs> like that's, that's a reality and they'll get better. They'll get stronger. And I know EG looks good right now, but Team Liquid should be the team that gets to the finals and whether they can beat 100 Thieves is an entirely different conversation. Um, and I think people, okay. I think people have been really sleeping on 100 Thieves, but I also do think that the way 100 Thieves have been playing during the regular season was egregious. So, like, the way, like, their bot lane was performing poorly at times, but for sure, Abadage was invisible. So, he like, was, uh, uh, games, I mean, yes. sure. uh, Abadage yeah. was putting the dog in Abadage for a lot of <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. So, like, so. they were sleeping on them, but for good reason. Like, it was actually for good reason that they were sleeping on them. Exactly. But, but like with players, I w I've said this before, but all like a lot of players that have done great things before, you expect them when pressure comes, when the pressure actually yes. comes, that they will come back to that level of play or at least close to it. So I thought that Abadage wouldn't continue to perform poorly. Like I thought that would be crazy if he was just in his second year of NA and was just like just laying eggs through like consistently. <laughs> that just speaks to someone's like level of effort that they're putting in. But that's not the case here. I think he's he's really starting to ramp it up. Um, so that's great. And I think that's probably going to be the, the key to their series. Is, yeah. Dude, I thought he was, I thought for real at first, he was like trolling in that interview where he kept just dropping the F-bombs over and over and over and over again. But then I realized eventually, like he, he isn't doing it intentionally at all, guys. Like for real, he's just, they're just coming out. And yeah. also he is just apparently just like in that, because we've had him on shows. He's like a very mild-mannered person normally. He must just go wild when he's won a game or something. Because it's mad. It's like, it's like you can imagine him a fucking like a eulogy. Like, and he lived a fucking great life, that fucking devil. Like, holy shit. I mean, he just kept dropping them over and over again, didn't he? <laughs> the whole time, by the way, I was just waiting. Like, they didn't show the camera on it, but like, because I remember the first funny. time Tigris did that one where he dropped that one and he like completely caught her off after the, you know, when they won the finals last time and he dropped it right at the moment. You could tell she was like, whoa, oh, oh. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that reaction, but she was prepared this time. She battened down the hatches this time. It was all okay. It was all yeah. okay. Meanwhile, Closer is literally just like, okay, you got to stop at some point. <laughs> you can almost see him for real sort of being like, like nudging him, like, come on, man. Like, but I, I could tell Abadaga didn't get it. At all, he didn't. It's a bit like basically. I have another show I do on Deserto in CS:GO, right? And they told us on that. This one's be funny. Who cares? On the last one, Monty, they told us before we went live. By the way, and this has happened to me in my career before. They said we just got one note, Thorin. Can you just not say cunt anymore? And I was like. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, thought, I even thought that naively, I was like, no big deal with that, is it? And what happened was about 20 minutes in the episode, I dropped on. I went, oh, sorry, I've just done one. And they were like, oh, I wouldn't worry about it. You dropped on five minutes in. I was like, what the fuck? That's the problem. If you have words in your vocabulary, boys, they will come out. They will come out. Exactly. Yep. Well, especially, yeah. especially like after you're all amped up on stage Gosh, and the adrenaline yeah. of winning. And, uh, you know, that's this is why sometimes it can be a bad idea for people to interview yes. athletes or professional, like pe people who have a lot of adrenaline in their system yes. right after yeah. a game. Cause like, you know, famously a few years ago in the NFL, there was like Richard Sherman, just like talking mad shit, oh, the uh, one. Yeah, yeah, on Crabtree, yeah. which was yeah. by the way, a fabulous was interview. Like, yeah, no. it was, 
great. My uh, favorite part people about it was mega mad about that. The best part about that interview ever was just that that woman wasn't listening properly. So you know, he goes like, "Don't ever put it put someone on me like that." And she goes like, "But who? Who's talking about you?" And he goes, "Crap, drink like because that made even better that she was almost like annoying. Like the way she asked him just made him go even more ham. Yeah, and the, 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 like normal people just don't understand that because they've never they've like you know they've never had that experience. So then they just judge you really harshly. It's like. You are a you are a fierce competitor. You just had to get yourself amped up and run around a fucking field on super amounts of adrenaline for like the last three hours, or like in this in this series, like a full Whoa. five game series where you reverse swept, dude. You are so like pumped at that point yeah. in time that like God knows what you're gonna say. Like you would not be making those decisions, oh, no. uh, you know, those same decisions if you at the beginning of the day even. I'm and sorry. so like, there has to be like this is the whole thing is like there it's the same shit why people like trying to police people's behavior in like scrims or in solo queue like you're in a different mode yeah, exactly you, you're yes. like yes in terms of your neurochemistry you are not in the same place that you are in a, in a normal situation which is why people behave like this like it's not like you're some kind of rabid animal that's out of control right but some things are going to happen differently and they're not oh, always going to be entirely in yeah. like yeah. you have to you can be in the other room from someone playing solo queue you just hear people pleading fucking cursing like <laughs> i will never trust you again like, what the fuck high drama's going on there they're just yeah. playing video games that's it you just your team betrayed you that guy stole your blue with one last hit on it this guy fucking messed up the whole lane the jungle and took the lane act off oh, everything everything I, driving I mean, crazy 2016, I know broadcasting comp competitive is completely different, but like the adrenaline in a game, especially in LPL games, are like it can get you. I realized I needed to change my vocabulary, they like day to day vocabulary, because I cussed a lot. And <laughs> like in my day to day, I would say the N word a lot. <laughs> so, like, yeah. okay. so I realized, okay. so I realized I actually okay. like should stop saying this because yeah. there were multiple times where I would drop the F bomb. And there was one time in the LPL, and you know, viewership on that one, no one's gonna watch it i for sure said the n-word and so i'm like no way, okay. no way. i literally no way. said it i literally gonna be it. some deep law there's one guy <laughs> after recording that somewhere on his timeline okay okay i just realized no i gotta stop i gotta weed it out of my vocabulary because Mark, it will yes. come out it actually will <laughs> well luckily for you in that case raz the joke is the chinese would have just thought you were sort of saying like hum oh hum. yes yeah there exactly. you go you got away with that one you got away with it there you got away with it there you got away with that one exactly yes, yes. yes. no one will find it it's exactly yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the possible deniability on that one I guess. yeah it's true like unless you unless you actually like wholesale change yourself like when you're at your kind of most emotionally unstable that's when that's yes. when it comes out but yeah i you know i thought it was great like whatever yeah, yeah. we're not the thing about the thing about you know esports that's so confusing to me is like we're not under the the aegis of like the FCC like there isn't anybody yes. that's actually going to punish a broadcaster for saying the naughty words so who cares if we say the naughty Dude, words remember when we did Flashpoint right because when we did our CSGO tournament Raz because it's just on Twitch and it's CSGO we just, yeah. just made the we made the editorial decision we're just going to swear so like I'm, instead of saying you know the players bad I say shit we have to realize fans for about the first week mate were just going like can't believe they're just saying it. Like, what's gonna what's gonna happen? And oh, will they get in trouble? It's like nothing happened. Like, you just keep going. Like, it's just it's just a show. Like, it, the whole point is, unless there's actually like a set, unless essentially like riot or someone says you can't do it, there is no problem on Twitch just swearing. Everyone's doing it. So I I, I agree. I think it's all it, the reason it, it's funny in his case is because they obviously do try to make it like a professional sports sheet, and he is just saying fuck a million times. So yeah, you know, I, I can't. 
I also would say that the the other thing that it did on Flashpoint was that it made the player interviews a lot better because they would just talk like they do normally on stream yes. and it made them way more comfortable. And it, because obviously like Abadage was very comfortable in that yeah. interview and it made them way more comfortable and it made them open up and like discuss things, I think, in a more emotionally honest way, which like it sounds stupid that being able to curse would be able to do that. But there a lot of people when they get into those interviews they think oh i have to like change the way i'm thinking yeah. and they're overanalyzing themselves that they're not used to being on camera um they're concerned about their appearance and like once we removed that it actually made for better content for the players in my exactly. opinion exactly 100% i think by the end of the interview when he realized he was saying he had to like kind of check himself more he was, he actually said less <laughs> which is funny like the way in the context it was funny but if you if that started from step 1 of like oh i got to say this and that and i can't like cuss i'm like okay maybe i'm not gonna i'll just have a safe interview <laughs> I'll just... so thank god exactly. i like it do we have any thoughts on eg moving on to the final the final te remaining team that we haven't the obvious thing to yet. say would be they can't keep getting away with it they're gonna they are eventually gonna have to play league of legends to win one of these series money like they're gonna have to actually be better at team fighting fucking pilot of the champions taking the objectives no, look look man i i thought i loved how they covered their weaknesses they're like yeah, is, yeah. Jo is jojo pian gonna die randomly in a side lane no he's not inspired it's playing nocturne he's just gonna come save him if that there it is. exactly and even even in the first series versus tl where like oh is impact gonna expand his pool no jojo will play Play the lane for him uh, on the Lucian on the Lucian matchup versus GP. Yeah. So like they are covering their weaknesses very well. <laughs> like, I I love I love the coaching here. I mean the 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 joke is too that in game two when Inspired ran Spellbook Jarvan, I was like, is this instead of the Nocturne so he can take TP to go save Jojo Piano? <laughs> I'm waiting for that moment. <laughs> it's gonna come. The the yeah. joke when we when we were doing this like watch party for it was I was like, what is the fucking spellbook? What's in the fucking spellbook? Right? Because he didn't you he didn't. He didn't use another summoner until like 25 yes. minutes into the game when he finally like switched to exhaust for the Camille. Um, and I was like, okay, we finally figured it out. What's the spell? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a factor of, of like why EG's been able to get to this point though, is they have a mega inexperienced player as their star player, but look how they set it up. Like he hasn't been in position to make mistakes. Like he's actually even been able to play games and do just sit in lane and get free kills all game long. Like this yeah. is the perfect recipe so far. Like if, if, the difference is if he had to make all the sort of whipple decisions i'm talking about later you'd expect he's going to fuck up a bit he's, i mean supposedly even for league itself he's mega inexperienced based on the stories peter don said so yeah you want to protect a guy like that as much as possible make his job as simple as possible exactly because it's time to win now and i think during the regular season they had a, a few different compositions that allowed jojo to really do what he wanted to do and he like there were a lot of times where he just died like he had good lanes but then po post laning phase post eight minutes he would just have free deaths and yep. i think a, he's getting better and i think i do think it's better to fail in that way than to fail in a way where you're literally invisible we are actually making active decisions that you look you can look back yes. on so he will get better for sure um and he's already pretty good but the problem is yeah like it, once you actually go up against well-refined teams like tl and 100 thieves like he i think the drafting problems will be will come back because they'll ban the certain champions to expose them on sidelines and evil geniuses will probably start failing on because it also impacts champ people. It's actually good now because he can play Orn, but they'll just literally ban it and won't allow it to be happening. So. All right, he'll just play Gragas. It's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there I, mean, I, I feel like I feel like I know, you know, how EG is going to play these games. Like they they want to play for either Jojo Piano Rise or for on a very like aggressive Victor build with Ari in mid lane, like he did in this series. Um, Vulcan had an extremely good series overall. Yeah. Um, so that was a big, I think, highlight. But what they like to do is they like to play either Jinx or Zeri in the bot lane. They want to be able to scale into the late game. They want to play with a weak side top laner that has engage and tank possibilities. And then they're just going to play around inspired and kind of inspired's pathing and is the way he wants to play the game, which is how you expect this team to play. Now, how many... Yeah. Vi My question is, how many variations of this do they have? Um, you know, you think it's not enough? You think the bands are just going to wreck them? I don't think it's enough unless, I guess, Impact can still play GP Shen. So, like, if he's willing to play those and there is a draft that actually makes those work, then, actually, then yes, I think they'll, you will not be able to ban out uh, what Impact, how Impact wants to play the game. Um, and it'll just be purely on play. Uh, so... If Jojo Pian is just the more consistent player, which for me would be surprising because last series was the best, you know, string of games that he's had all split long, then yeah, Evil Geniuses can win. Um, so I don't think it's a given. I, I, I do think that EG will take games, but Team Liquid just should still be the better team. My problem is the last series, EG didn't seem to me like they thought they could win. That's the, that's to me is the biggest red flag where it's like we have to have all these level one set plays and then game five, yeah. it has to be Renekton in Italy. To me, like that's the red flag where it felt like they they were clever to get as far as they did, but they felt like they needed a gimmick or they felt like they couldn't play straight up that's uh, true. against TL. And the way they didn't have the confidence. Just because we're talking about EG, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that insane clown show moment early on in in the in, I think it was in game three, wasn't it? It was the game where Inspired was on Java and Monty. <laughs> Oh, it was game two. And, right? and he did that drive-by gank on mid lane, and then he used the abilities to get out of the lane, just like use the like drag. But then because he did that, his spells were on cooldown, and then the trundle came in and killed it, like his mid laner or whatever it was, wasn't it? It was, it was so embarrassing because he was just stood there. What, like, essentially so he was on a ward beforehand. He was on a ward beforehand, and he literally just walks through mid lane like, past fudge and then just like eqs out of the lane and then trundles just in style. The and he just trundle yeah. just walks in and like pillars jojo piano i was like what is happening watch this moment it's so funny especially because like inspired was like a world-class jungle essay he's not some nobody like it was such a ridiculous like it was just one of those moments where you think that there's nothing wrong with like burning this like ability but like it actually literally just cost you a kill on your team like, it yeah. was so stupid yeah it's so stupid <laughs> Because in general, by the way, there's another factor. If we want to talk about, like, mate, in general, the imports to NA, they're fucking hit and miss this year. Like, I thought Inspired would do mad work on this EG team, but, like, it's just kind of like, he's, he's just good. He's not he's not like a star player to me, Raz, when he's in the LCS for some reason. Yeah, he's been, he's been good. I think there's been mistakes throughout the majority of the split, and a lot of that is kind of the shit that I feel like he hasn't had before. Like, he's had work with Larson, and so a lot of the times... Him and Larson works because a lot of the times Larson would just get prio mid and would respect a lot, a lot on the map. He would either respect his, the opposing mid laner and respect the jungler. So what him and uh, Larson would get accomplished would be consistent. But it's just been so hit or miss with him and Jojo because Jojo would either take risks and they would die as a result or they would expect a counter gank. There's still one moment 
forget which team it was against during the regular season. It was later on in the season. I was like, oh, they're counter ganking. They're literally expecting the gank because they see it on a ward and they're going to be able to turn it. And then JoJo just insta dies on it. And they're like, okay, so we just misread right. it. <laughs> like, we just completely misread uh, this 2v2. And that's what made Inspired look worse. I think Inspired has been a good jungler. I think the pool of junglers this split has been really good. And that's yes. been uh, the kind of the story. But him and working with more inexperienced players has been the problem. Uh, so it's a, it will take time. I dropped a moment into our Discord chat, Raz. So you can, if you want to see the hilarious, it really, it's yes. like it's actually hilarious because he like Teemo emotes as well, and then as yeah. soon as he eqs, yes, like exactly. just Valkyries forward. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to the vod, it's at like nine thirty-eight or something. Or in terms of actual in-game time, I can't see the in-game time. It's replay of mine. Yeah, nah, this is hilarious. No, nah, this is so actually funny though. It's so, it's yeah. just, how rarely are you ever actually just yeah. gonna die because like you're gonna lose a kill just because you use the fucking abilities there? Like I know yeah. exactly. Yeah. He's like, I saved one quarter second by using my abilities. Because my favorite part about it as well, dude, is like not only does he not have the abilities, but he's even stood right there just having like like fucking like Bruce Wayne just watching his parents like gone down like what? No, what could I have done? Like there's nothing you can do now. Is doing spite. It's too late, mate. You did the drive by. It's too late. It's too late. That's too funny. You're right, the part I forgot, the real icing on the cake is the team one more right before this. <laughs> That's so makes it even better. Yes, exactly. I agree. Been, they, what they don't, what they don't yeah. show you on there is there was a ward, so they knew he was in that bush. Yes, exactly. Time, and then yes. he figured it out. And so he was yeah. just like, haha, you saw me. But yeah, I love, different. even if that kill didn't happen, just the fact that he had to burn his flash to the court. So stupid in yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like, okay, we're just completely yeah. on different pages. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, are you, you think the Team Liquid's going to beat EG in the rematch? Yeah. And uh, I think it'll be a little more handy. Probably 3-1. Okay. And then you think 100 Thieves or will win the finals versus TL? 100 Thieves will win the finals. That one's going to be harder to predict. I, I, th I do think... Every time I think it goes to five and it's a finals, a team just massively underperforms. But I will say it goes to five and I will bet that the underperformance will not happen. These teams have faced against each other. I swear every time I'm wrong, but like, I'll just put that out there. I think it'll go to five. I think it's uh, side reliant, side select reliant. Actually, this time relying on blue side, surprisingly enough. Usually playoffs mean uh, teams will move towards red side and get counter picks for their liners. But in blue side, you're going to be able to get counter pick for support anyways. And then on top of that, your blind picking jungle, which is pretty influential, or Zeri, you know, whichever one works. I think those two picks are still really good. Jarvan has like a seventy percent win rate once again. Like he has, he has an absurd. Okay, I actually have it listed, so now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go for that one. Um, <laughs> he gets picked all the time, so it must be pretty high. Yes. So I'm just making sure. Well, he doesn't uh, get yes, picked at all in China, which is interesting. Yeah. So he does have a seventy percent win rate at ten games played during the playoffs. So like, I, I think blind picking right now just. The basic team fight comps, Orin, J4, Aphelios, uh, or Jinx, whatever, like has just been the more dominant strategy. Um, so you'll probably see them fight for blue. And it will be 100 Thieves that win at five. So you think, okay, so you do think it's going to go the actual distance? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. I will. I will say, like, I actually expect the final also be fun because it's a final in front of an actual crowd. Well, that is the most domestic pressure you get. So that'll sure. be very interesting in itself. Because actually, if you look at like, assuming it's hundred thieves versus TL, you got a very interesting mix of like 
on the one hand, you've got the veterans who've played in that scenario. You've got people who came up and they only got to the top and we didn't have crowds. So who knows how some of them will perform. You never know which... All it'll take is one player in that series being just unusually half as good because he gets pressure. Anyone could win that series. Exactly. Are you excited to be back in the stadium, as Tyler once said? With the I'm, I are you actually, are, actually yes. here's a question are you going yeah. to be in the stadium sometimes they just leave the analyst desk in la so that's yeah uh, I, I will be going to houston so that's gonna okay, be fun. good so that's gonna okay. be fun i'm excited um i think there's only been one instance in which i was in front of like a large crowd quote unquote and they were there for me <laughs> or us i mean like the english broadcast that was in 2019 for worlds it was group stage um outside of that I guess I was in large stadiums in the LPL, like consistently. You were the side broadcast. No, I was the side broadcast. Exactly. And yes. I was just, yeah, the crowd was there and they were reacting. But only okay. when I was saying to the, the, the word the, <laughs> someone else said something like okay. far more interesting. <laughs> 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 if I said anything mundane and the crowd is going wild, it's like, yeah, they're, the Chinese broadcast is that way. <laughs> right. There we go. There you go. Uh, so basically, this, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I, I've loved it so far. Uh, just being in front of the like the small crowd in the studio, but the actual energy stadium is going to be entertaining. So we'll see what that looks like. Is that actually a proper sports stadium, Monty? What, what it's is a, the where the Houston team? Texans play? It's an NFL stadium. Oh, the NFL it's team, fucking okay. huge. That's pretty. That's big. That's, yeah. that's why I was really surprised that they were hosting the event there because the NFL stadiums are like seventy-five thousand people. They're like significantly bigger than the the kind of hockey. I mean, I'm and, assuming for this, they're just gonna have like five K fans or something. They're not gonna have seventy K. Uh, I think they're not going to use some of the upper decks on this one, mm -hmm. but it's still going to be a pretty substantial number of people. This is, yeah. uh, you know, to put this in perspective, the world finals this year are going to be played in San Francisco at the Golden State Warriors Stadium. So it's going to be a much oh, okay. smaller venue than this one. So I, I am I am curious as to how they're going to use an NFL stadium that is like three times the size of that uh, for for this event. It's a, yeah, I wonder. It has a roof, though, so it's not an open air stadium. Uh, oh, thank so God. I think they. They also, can get it dark like, enough. Listen, very clever thematically to pick that team because in many ways the LCS is the Houston Texans of the NFL of World League of Legends. <laughs> in many ways, so, you know, occasionally make the odd playoff, not relevant really. And in the end, you know, what do you expect? What oh, you no. Expect? See, I'm not an NFL fan, so I was happy Sorry. that I didn't understand the context. Yeah, but then you gave the context. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It was the, a bird on NA. That's why the, the Texans the Texans are notorious for having terrible GMs and uh you know, kind of getting rid of their good players or having the in Deshaun Watson's case, having their good players get rid of themselves in many ways through uh, very, very, very questionable behavior. Um but then they get two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed contracts, despite the fact that nobody even knows if this player is going to be able to play. Because that's, that's how the world works. Less. You <laughs> needed the fucking guaranteed money contract, mate. That was the play. Because then when they fire you, it's like when those movie stars have the like play or pay, where like if you don't if want them on the movie anymore, you have to pay them their full fee to fuck off. That's the play, mate. You should have done that. You'd have should have done a sword art basically. Just get all the bag. If they kick you, you get the whole bag. That's what I should really have done, Monty. Why did I never think of that in my career? I'm someone who's definitely either going to either get fired or just not want to work with someone anymore. I should really front load all my contracts that way. That would be the better way to do it, wouldn't it? That, you know, my Overwatch League contract was guaranteed. There's a reason I, I went. <laughs> there we go. That's the only thing that was guaranteed about the Overwatch League. Boom, that's it. End of the show. And that, on that note, we go on. Should we wrap it? Is there anything more yep. to talk about? Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Rad. Well, Have Thank fun you. in the finals we'll be, at Houston. Yeah, Appreciate we'll be back with your questions after the break. There we go.
We're back for viewer questions. Monty will now explain how does a viewer ask a question. Spoiler, not in Twitch chat right now. <laughs> Nobody's reading Twitch chat. We're not reading it. And we're okay. not reading our YouTube comments either because we hate interaction. Oh, speaking of YouTube. And offense. Uh, no, you it's just should, the bad ones. Just you should subscribe ones. to our YouTube because we realize we're really bad yes. at telling you to yes. subscribe to YouTube. You probably already subscribed to if YouTube. You watch if you're still the watching it. Like now, basically look down. Is that box red and says subscribe? If it is, click it. If it says subscribe, shut the fuck up and just watch the rest of the video. <laughs> All right. So you can just join our part and have me appear on the video. Like if or, you see that thing down there, shut the fuck. Yeah. Just replay that every video. Or alternatively, if you don't want to subscribe, join our Discord and just add the League of Legends tag. And every time a League of Legends piece of content comes out, you'll get tagged there. You can get a Discord notification. You'll get instead. A, a push. Yes. Your, exactly. your choice. Um, and speaking of our Discord, go to the Grog Coin Lounge. If you have 25 Grog Coins, link your rally account. And then you can ask questions every week in the SI Questions channel that will pop up. And then we'll answer them. And I never read them in advance. So I'm like Ron Burgundy, where I'll just literally read whatever you say. And sometimes that's disastrous. Uh, okay. So, if you could pick one video game franchise to get a good movie adaptation, what would it be? Hard mode. Pick something that isn't Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid would be a terrible movie, guys. Kojima, oh, yes. yeah, Kojima exactly. is fucking terrible. terrible at writing. I don't know how to tell you guys. It's shit's super weird. It doesn't make any sense. There's tons of plot holes. It's all based on supernatural deus ex machina. Metal Gear Solid would make a terrible movie. It would make a terrible movie. And also, it would just be worse because what makes Metal Gear F Solid fun is it's got a unique story, but then you play out other parts of the movie, essentially. That's just a movie you you have to sit like and watch and be shit. And, yeah. spoiler, he's not created Nathan Ridgely. He's taken all the fucking war movies and concepts over, like, 60 years and crushed them down. If you've never followed his social media, he's an enormous media fan. He, like, is a cinemaphile video game. Ad like, he didn't invent any of that shit, guys. He just took all his favorite shit and made, like, a sort of a pulp game out of it, didn't he? Yeah. Like, all the tropes that he enjoys. So, like, it also wouldn't be that great a movie anyway, is it? You know, come on. Yeah, it would be, like, 12 genres I'm think what would be the one. Like, what uh, game would be really good so as a movie? I've, I've got two. Uh, Go Deus Ex, obviously, one of my all-time favorite games, does have a great story, would be really cool to see, like, that conspiracy theory Obviously, it's just a Matrix world. type thing, though, but yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the other one would be Bioshock Infinite. Not the original Bioshock, which is kind of a tired story, like, Ayn Randian underwater story, but Bioshock Infinite, I think, is a much more interesting story that would create a very cool movie. I actually think the original premise for the first game of Fallout would be a pretty good movie if sure. you did it properly. Like, that's a really interesting angle on, like, post-apocalyptic world, and you don't know... Because remember, the whole point of Fallout is you don't know what's going on. You learn the world as you go, don't you? And it opens up as that totally unique. On the one hand, it's like a retro for you, but at the same time, it's a futuristic story. You can do loads of that. Yep. Also, People love that genre as well, post-apocalyptic shite. A, a testament to how good Bioshock Infinite would be is that the actual gameplay of that game is very bad. It's like really not innovative, kind of boring, but the story and like the cinematic appeal of it is so good that it makes the game really good. It's basically entirely predicated on the story as it is. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good um, uh, endorsement of what would be a good video game movie. But they're always fucked up and people fuck them up. Okay, let's move on. Uh, the eye test will always be king, but are there any statistics you are aware of from any of the main games you have been involved with that you think are particularly useful or reflective of the actual level of teams or players? I mean, the problem is in League, I'm not that sure because it feels like the one that has the most 
context. I'll tell you the one I think is very underrated in CSGO, which is in CSGO, the raw stat I find is very useful is just how many kills you average around. Nothing else, not what the plus minus is, not what the rating is, not what the damage, because here's the thing, the people have a very high kills per round, whether that doesn't mean their style's the best or that they work the best, but like just to get a raw amount of like kills in the game is very hard to do. Like nobody bad can do that basically. So for example, it's one of the reasons I always thought the player config was underrated because since he played like a hard entry role, he's never going to have the great best overall stats. Like obviously he's dying loads, but if you just ever saw how many kills he would get in a game, like you could tell he was just outrageously good at, at just raw combat mechanics in Counter-Strike. So I don't think that there are many in League though as far as I know. There's never been like a fucking, a sort of like um, one amazing stat that ever really defined how good you are, right? The problem with League of Legends is that because, okay, so in Counter-Strike, there are fewer snowball mechanics and there's like a rubber band mechanic that will get you guns again so that you can actually perform. And they're, they have been adding rubber band mechanics to League of Legends, but League of Legends stats are always very heavily tainted by whether you're winning or not. Um, so bad players can look better, like significantly better on good teams because they're also getting kind of ambient gold and getting carried. Um, so it's, you really have to be very, I think stats are useful in league, by the way, you just have to be very careful about how you contextualize them and you have to, I think team stats are generally more useful because they, they tend to show trends like who's prioritizing dragon or herald is a really good one. Um, who's prioritizing like pushing lanes early to get first tower. And if you look at these in conjunction with drafts and team compositions, you can kind of get a better sense of why these these like early game objectives are happening, but late game objectives are very hard. Sometimes like average game time could be useful for teams if they're delaying things or like the number of objectives they need in order to close. It can tell you how kind of efficient they are with their money, but it's, it's really hard and individual player stats are based on it's more useful in LCK and LPL because there's a larger sample size, but it can be so very dependent on what matchups you're playing, which champions you're playing as to like, how much damage you're doing or uh, what your early lane advantages are. Like if you're, if you're getting counterpicked every time and you're just like blind, you're, you're, you as a player in your team are blind picking you because you can survive the laning phase to give your teammates advantages. You might look worse than you actually are, even though your team is basically inherently giving you a handicap because you're a good player. So you just have to be very careful about how you interpret League of Legends stats. And there's so much context and everybody's gonna be like, well, there's always context to stats. And yes, that's true. But I think it's, it's more true in League of Legends because traditional sports, sure, it can depend on who gets fed the ball, but like you don't start to win basketball harder or like score more points because you're already ahead. Whereas that's not true in League of Legends. Like if you're ahead, you just get more ahead a lot of the time um, because of the snowball mechanics. Whereas in sports, that's that's not necessarily true. It can be true in like the NFL where you know, a running back might look really good because if they if they have a strong running game in the first place, they're going to eat up the clock by handing, and you're already ahead, you're going to eat up the clock by handing the running back the ball more times, which Waste means that time, they get yes, more sure. yards. Uh, so they that running back might look better, but it could, you know, you could swap out that running back and the strategy might remain the same. So it's hard to tell. Sure. Um, I guess there are some, like, uh, one one that I like is if you're talking about late game stats, I really like how much percentage of farm after 15 minutes because it kind of tells you how lanes are being allocated and how resor yes. resources are being allocated. If yeah. you want an efficiency statistic like damage per gold 
uh, can be useful, but also that can be skewed because if you're playing a lot of um, split pushers, you may not be doing a lot of damage because you might just be in 1v1s instead of like doing AoE in a team fight. So, you know, it's just, you, you got to interpret it. You got to read the tea leaves in, in LOL, I think. But they are useful. But people who say stats in LOL are not useful, I, don't, I think are wrong. It's just, you really, you really have to think about them. Um, when they say that, by the way, they, that's just the misphrase. What they mean is they don't think they're definitive. For example, they don't think like the stat tells you everything. Obviously, there's a value to having stats. It's just like essentially the problem I have is this: most stats are most uh, are, be are best used by someone who already is an incredible eye test expert. So the problem is, right, for Monty, the stats might be great. If you are just a complete pleb and you don't know the game with your eye test, stats aren't going to help you that much more. Mate. They'll get you sort of like vaguely in the right direction, but you won't be able, you won't then have the skill set to differentiate between what does this mean and put in the context. So I, I also think it's in that, it's in the like eye of the beholder, as it were. It depends what you bring to the table, how much the stat can give you. Yeah. And I'm a person who really likes stats. <laughs> I think as a caster, like I use a lot of stats more so than most other, most other casters, I think. Uh, which English speaking country produces the best sports slash esports broadcast talent? I mean, it has to be the UK, right? It got to be the UK. Bearing in mind, like we're way less population than USA. Like just pound for pound, it's got to be. I think it's probably even absolutely the UK, right? Because the thing is, if by default people just typically like British accents as well, I think it's an advantage. Like Americans, for some reason, love British accents. So it seems like if you look at every game, the joke is there's no actual like esports competitors from the UK. Typically, they're all the bloody talent, aren't they? Like we're just the <laughs> talent. That's it. <laughs> it's also, I think that there there long has been a a culture of banter in the UK and Australia in particular that is unique where people i think wit in Australian and and British culture tends to be more highly valued than it is in American culture um and so that kind of like fa you know the ability to comfortably have repartee with people is is much more acute in those cultures which gives them it makes them more fun on broadcast a lot of the time Oh, I will say, all you need to do is look at that bloody Will Smith thing with Chris Rock, mate. The Americans' take was they were all lost in the weeds of like, wow, and is it because Will Smith is getting sort of cocked and he lets his wife fuck there? And oh, and she sleeps with him. The UK thing would just be like, can he not take a joke? He's a comedian. Like, that was like the fucking take, mate, of course. That was the main thing everyone had. Like, dude, he's a comedian. Like, isn't that the guy take a joke? Because, yeah, that's sort of the vibe, isn't it? Yeah, I also think, by the way, that is just suited to esports broadcasts, especially because, and actually, I'll even give you a topical point. The reason why I actually think, don't worry about the fact that me and Richard Lewis aren't doing the next CSGO major, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually the time, finally, where even though I still think we're the best, you can now bring in the other people and it won't be as much diminishing returns. Because nowadays, in theory, I don't know about this one because it's run by PGL as well, but you're hopefully getting to the point where you're going to have proper broadcasts that are just going to run on time and there's not going to be massive tech problems. And that point other people could do the gig as well but i also think in the early days of esports when it was all mega scoffed and we we're having a million tech delays and problems it also helps if you have people who can essentially just fuck around and have a good sense of humor that's going to be a massive boon to your broadcast team isn't it whereas the american style is more sort of polished so i think actually they would have suffered a little bit i'll just remember dj wheat's face when he had to keep coming out on season two finals telling everyone the game isn't actually going live now <laughs> I, <laughs> wasn't I also, a great affair i'll give you that much <laughs> i also think that in general uh generally speaking and broadly speaking um the higher amount of political correctness in a culture the less entertaining it is capable of being and so in, you know in the hierarchy of political correctness i think like uh, among english-speaking nations like canada is probably like the most conservative one. correct yes well other guys canadians aren't very fucking funny 
many people. And then it's probably America, and then it's probably UK, and then it's probably Australia. Yeah. <laughs> being the most politically incorrect. Incorrect. So yes. I, I enjoy that very much, but uh, many Americans do not. Uh, that's my that's my PC English speaking country tier list right there. Uh, it is an interesting question. What's the best two hundred dollars slash hundred fifty pounds or below purchase you've made in the last few years, and why? Such a specific price point. Okay, so I guess in theory he's trying to pick two hundred dollars. I guess the vibe here is it's not supposed to be sort of flashy. It's some of that has some yeah, like yeah, yeah. special meaning or use in that sense. So what would it even be for me? I'm trying to think what it could be. I mean, I think there are, there are several like really obvious answers to this in terms of objects that I use on a like well, that then, I, I like drive what? like a fucking Kindle. It's probably oh, one of the most useful one, things yeah, you can ever yeah. buy uh, in terms of the the value per dollar. It, when you think about the time that you spend on it, how fucking useful it is to have on oh. on trips with you. The fact that I can pull it out and reference a hundred books on it at any given point in time. Uh, incredibly, incredibly useful. Uh, what else? I, I got a smoker recently that was around $200 that is fucking incredible for cooking. Like a lot of my stuff probably is cooking stuff. Cause I cook, uh, almost every day. Um, it's something that I'm very passionate about and you get a lot of really good shit. Like you can get a very high quality chef's knife, which you can use for, 10 or 20 years for under $200, you know, top of the line, stuff like that. Very, very useful. I don't know whether I, I don't have a good answer for this, mate. There's nothing, there's nothing fucking epic. I bought for less than $300. I don't buy that many things. I just think my usual stuff books and whatnot, you know, I mean, but you, the Kindle is something you use all the time. I have a Kindle as well, but I bought that years ago. Didn't he say in the last few years or something? Last sure, year but I think it's just like, what objects do you use? I think the, the we can interpret this question. Oh, as right. like, but what yeah, along those lines, I, w I would actually say the, the most is in this, it's Kindle for books. I have a little Amazon Fire. I sometimes put comics on and you can put movies on that. Obviously, it's just a tablet like that big. Like, I think those are, by the way, if you're someone who, I'll, I'll make it, put it this way. If you're someone who just has a PC because you're a hardcore gamer, so you have like a 2K PC or something, those small tablets which nowadays by the way are like 50 dollars are mad useful like just chuck a bunch of stuff on that when you're going anywhere like for an hour two hours put it in your backpack remember it's gonna be super slimline like that's a I, I, that's one area i feel like people are really lost on because when me and you were coming up as kids monty they used to flex that shit as what well, the future would be all the time that'd be yep. screens and surfaces and you throw in one thing from here to there and you just go to the couch like the problem is no one does it in real life so i actually think ta tablets in general they're, they're mega cheap now and by the way you can just buy like the hundred 128 gigabyte fucking sim card or whatever you call it like sd card and put in double the memory so you can have loads of shit on there like if people don't know when i first started getting into american football stuff i won't say where i got them but i had like 100 games of peyton manning just on my fucking fire every time i was on a plane doing something boring stuck somewhere i could just tune into the game again it was mega yeah, I, I will say in terms of cooking equipment, if you want something that will like really help you, especially if you're new to cooking, uh, getting an instant pot is like 80 to $100. And the amount of value you can get out of that, it's an electronic pressure cooker, because it, it can absolutely change your life if you are not used to cooking, because it's incredibly easy to use. It makes really good food that would take hours and hours and hours to slow cook in like under an hour. And you can make it at a volume where you just freeze half of it after you're done cooking. And then you can thaw it out at a, a later date. And so you can cook a ton of other stuff that you need. It's, it's very, very useful. And 
I mean, the number of times I've used it when I bought it for 80 bucks is like crazy. So it's, it's wonderful. Uh, if you had to award one, who is your coach slash staff of the split in EU and NA? I, here's the problem. He, he, since he said the split, I'm assuming he means the regular split, not mm -hmm. like playoffs as well. If it means the regular split, I would give the road coaches staff. Obviously, yep. if it was in playoffs as well, it'd have to be G2, wouldn't it? Correct. Just the way they played. What about for LCS, though? What would you pick for that? I mean, bit, again, if we're taking playoffs, dude, it might even be fucking evil geniuses at this point. Look how they look what a great job they've done. If they're yeah. adding in playoffs as well. Yeah, I think that given the tools that they had and the fact that they've got this rookie mid laner, they've done an extremely good job. I really like their drafts in the playoffs. Seems like that's. I mean, I don't think there was a lot of competition in NA. Like True. you had, yeah, yeah. you had the implosion of Cloud Nine. You had a, a TL that arguably has underperformed, and so your other choices are Hundred Thieves, which was kind of bad at the beginning of the split, and EG, which also had their up and ups and downs. But I think in terms of utilizing the pieces that they've had, they've been doing quite well. Oh man, this is such an easy question. Would you rather only watch anime for the rest of your life? Or only eat spicy food for the rest of your life. I love, I fucking love spicy food. So oh, that's, that's easy. <laughs> I oh. fucking love spicy food. <laughs> I, I wish all my food was spicy problem. already. Yeah. That's my problem. <laughs> I have the opposite problem where if anything, I think I, for too many years, I actually ate way too much. Everything had sauce or a spice or something. Like if people don't know, as I've told people, even when I, when I say I eat Korean barbecue, you don't eat Korean barbecue. Like I, do. I, I, I take two of those sometimes things myself personally. That's, that's just me. That's one thing for everyone at the whole table by the way i learned ages ago koreans definitely aren't eating as much samjay as i am that's why they're not just having like bowels getting fucking wrecked every single meal so I, like I, if anything i'm going the other way boys i'm trying to like try to eat more of a reasonable diet let my palate actually learn what tastes are again start to experience flavor i'm trying to go the other direction so i love i love spicy food i love chili peppers i love all cuisines that contain chili peppers in fact i am on a mission right now to I, I literally bought a bunch of Sichuan chili peppers from a, like a direct, like high quality Sichuan ingredients website. And then I just bought a bunch of an imported, like I got mailed to be a bunch of fucking chili peppers from New Mexico, like dried chilies so that I can make things more spicy and like make more of these foods from scratch. So I, I for breakfast this morning, I had before this show, I had a corn tortilla with some roasted chili pepper beans on top of two eggs. Okay. So I eat this shit all the time. Joke is he asked the wrong question. The real question is, do you only ever get to watch anime or can you only ever eat non-spicy food your whole life? Now I, that's a fucking yeah. Sophie's choice right there. I don't <laughs> even know. I even think thematically anime, non-spicy food, same thing to me. Just a bunch of useless shite in it. Yeah. Here's what you think about, Chili, if you if you say you don't like spicy food, the thing is, is like you're still in the in baby's phase where the thing is, people don't like the fact that the chili pepper burns their mouth. Yes. The point is, is that you if you eat enough spicy food, you don't actually get your mouth burned anymore. And what you taste is the glorious chili pepper. Yes. And it tastes delicious. Right. And so it's like, really sweet. That's one like, of the things that yeah. people wouldn't imagine. Yeah. So yeah. like. If you get to the point where you just don't, it's like not spicy to you anymore, or it's like a pleasant spicy. And also that releases, by the way, the, the, the very act of eating spicy food, like releases pleasant neuro, like basically pleasant, like dopamine in your brain. Um, you actually get to taste the depth of flavor and it just dimensionalizes dishes. So nobody likes their mouth being on fire. It's just, if you eat enough of it, your mouth stops being on fire. 
Um, next, what are your thoughts on allowing coaches to be in the call with players during a match as a sort of shot caller slash macro game IGL? Oh my God. This one again. Do you think you could, they could compete with the East if coaches were more directly involved in this? I think the game should be for the players. Like the coaches have a place, but inside the game, having like a, a, a you know, the omniscient guy directing things, it basically just turns the players into puppets. And like, I he's think, just playing Starcraft. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know? here, here's so, the thing. Here's the thing, guys. <laughs> if you want that, just fucking watch Starcraft. Watch 1v1 RTS. You will get that Monty, here's, I'll, I've got the compromise for everyone. If you want current League of Legends, we can't have coaches because by default, the coach would just become the one commander giving all the strategy. If you want to have that game, though, fuck these players. This is just going to be Starcraft. And now Koma's the player we're watching. We're no longer watching Faker. He's yeah. just someone controlling a unit that is in Koma's army. I'm, I'm with you, Monty. If you want that, we can have that. By the way, we've got... We can give you the whole pitch for that if you ever want that esport give us a few million we'll make it the best shit of all time <laughs> problem is that isn't actually what fans want i don't think yeah. i actually think in league by the way it would ruin it because unfortunately in league specifically i think the fact that a game is one entity and someone could see the whole thing coming out i think between the best coaches i think it would make it like sort of too much of a stalemate type game you know i think it'd be too obvious how people would play i think one of the things i find cool is that when you get a totally unique game scenario i don't know how these players are going to react they've never been in this situation before and there's yep. nobody can help them. They've got to figure it out on the fly. It's one of the things I always found so impressive about Koreans during the period of dominance in League of Legends is that some of those teams, like the SKT teams, they looked almost as though their coach was bloody talking while they were doing those comebacks. They were doing everything perfectly. The timing was right. When they caught people, like like knowing not to fight early, it's all oh, they, they they did look like like essentially that that's how you know someone did a good job is when it looks like the fucking coach is involved. Problem is, I think it would ruin the game. Mate. I don't think it's like CS or the NFL where you can let someone like come in for a second and then come out like you can't redo it in league yeah plus like it would ruin a lot of the really cool shit that we've seen like how good g2 was in these very yeah, creative yeah. scenarios and you know it would take it would take some of the luster off of the players and at least in csgo you always have the coach in between the rounds anyway to be able to like alter strategies and like call the player or whatever but it's just like in the nfl when the play is being run it's up to the player's decision making in the moment right so i, I i'm not a huge fan of of that and I just feel like this is a take from people who just don't watch 1v1 RTS, where it's it's like, I already, I, I have that itch scratched as a massive RTS fan by simply watching RTSs, so it just feels like team sports shouldn't be that way. Since it appears that many esports entities are inextricably linked in multiple levels of conflicts of interest, should esports be burned down as an industry metaphorically? I mean, yes, we've discussed this many times. It's You know one thing I can't handle, Monty? I've not, this is one thing I find infuriating about the Zoomers and the nephews is they don't ever listen to what the other person says, but they keep talking. So what happens is you get two years later after the TSM Holy War, people still think the point we're making is this. Conflict of interest cannot be allowed to exist. You're fucking mental if that's what you took from that. <laughs> what we were making the point of the whole time was just disclose them. That's it. That's it. 
All you have to do, if you are bloop, is just say at the top of the article, I work for this team that I am reporting on. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's fine after that. <laughs> Nobody ever said, you can't work for these companies. That's why the retort of, but Marty and Dorin have got, yes, and we disclaimed them all. I've said on the show a million times that I have shares in the company that fucking invented ProView. I've said a million times Monty works for Cloud9 when he commented on them. That's all you have to do. But you are so stupid that you haven't listened even once to what we were saying. So you still think we are saying if a conflict of interest exists that we can't continue. By the way, there will always be conflict of interest. It's actually the way that the fucking industry is structured even. Every, it's like politics. Everyone's fucking fingers are in all the pies. The point is, if you... This is the key detail of all as well, boys. It's not about me and Monty. You need to know that there's a conflict of interest because when you know that, you can apply that context. So if you read an article by Bloop or working with a team that he works with, you can go, oh, but he works with them, so I'll take a grain of salt that like maybe he wouldn't put like a negative aspect. You can at least value it that way. The the problem is when you don't know there's a conflict of interest, but there is one. Because in that scenario, you would assume the opposite, wouldn't you? You would assume, well, Monty doesn't work for Cloud9, so if he's saying that's good, it must be good. No, that's, that's the problem. The only problem is in the disclosure. So I hope people can just get that. Whoever's the editor, clip that and just make that one-minute fucking video and let me just link it every time. We'll even have, like, bloody... Conf conflict of interest hash like exclamation point in the bleeding twitch or, or, bring this clip up or you know if there is a conflict of interest the companies and the and indeed the leagues need to handle it in a mature fashion like it's not acceptable for lena to be dating double lift while lena is making roster decisions for the league of legends team that shouldn't be acceptable to the lcs okay that's that she should recuse herself from any League of Legends operations, right? It's just that simple. It's the same shit. When I was commissioner of Flashpoint and we did an RMR, I couldn't actually enforce rules because I was employed by partner teams and it would be a conflict of interest for me to be an impartial arbiter of a tournament that contained both partner and non-partner teams within the, the RMR system, right? So I couldn't do it. And I recused myself from that position and I would have handled indeed the things that happened differently. You can go watch the four horsemen episode about that. So th these, these things, it's just like people don't take the responsibility themselves to, resolve the conflict of interest and they just pretend that these corrupt systems you know didn't happen it's like of course you're going to talk with your significant other about what is going oh, on yes. within the roster that your significant roster yes. your your significant other is playing on like you know that's going to happen so it just can't be allowed to happen somebody else at the company has to just put you in the in the black box protect you from that information so that you can't affect that and it what's disgusting is that the 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 league itself the league's don't seem to care about this. They don't, they don't seem they don't to give a shit at all, um, which makes them corrupt. So they need yeah, to agreed. deal with these. They need to deal with these scenarios. Uh, what is the most unfortunately timed statement to have happened in esports? See, here's the sad thing. I actually know, but it's a joke that I referenced on a one on a four horseman that we're not going to tell because it just it just puts someone in a bad spot. But there was a really bad four par one time that was like that. But I won't, I won't say what it is. I'll try to think of another one. There must be another good one. Like, I mean, a classic one would obviously be. I mean, there's got to be a million Reginald and TSM ones that they've said some I mean, line and then fucking recently. Come Recently, like the ESL GG for all women's tournaments epic. after yeah. announcing the, exactly. that they were wholly owned by the Saudi Arabian That's sovereign wealth yeah. fund is like, 
It set me up as well for so many great moments. Because here's the problem, guys. I'll, I'll let you guys in because you're League of Legends people anyway. Basically, it's created a checkmate where I'm allowed to be the most obnoxious asshole imaginable. But if you actually get upset, I've trapped you and you're actually morally bankrupt. So it's my dream. Because here's the scenario. What I do is I make really offensive jokes about people dying in Yemen from bombs. Because if you get offended, the idea you're offended by my joke, but you actively support the company that is doing the dropping of the bombs through the people who own them you're fucked like they're not doing it but they are, they are owned by the people doing the bombing that implies you find the joke more offensive than the bombing so I've, I've actually morally checkmated you so basically i have a great joke like that since they did the gg for all and they made a hashtag of course i use the hashtag every time i talk about the yemen situation so i had a great one the other day i said actually esl you got to give them credit they do believe in equality their bombs don't discriminate who they tear apart see i can do this all day long boys you set yourselves up for that one's a pretty bad one i would say because essentially <laughs> like the joke is you've just made a mega fucking virtue signal flex and then right afterwards it'd be harder to find more evil people that you could partner with in business essentially right that's like going and of course i'm going to be um going to be on the side of the orphans and now let's welcome the new president of the board the joker like what are you doing? Like, you, know, that, you, you did that, mate. No, made you set up like that. You fucked it up, yeah. I'm telling you, a good one. Let me think of another one. The, the riot, the riot, uh, $100 million settlement for literally every woman who's ever worked at their company and then like rolling out the Game Changers tournaments. That was pretty good, too. That was. Well, I've got a good one for you. Here's a brilliant one, Monty, because again, this one actually morally checkmates this guy. How about when the guy who was, I don't know if he still is, but he was the LEC commissioner said, at the end of last year, notice the date there, guys, post-riot lawsuit over harassing women and post them attempting to tamper with and fuck with the lawyers of the people who were suing them for all that. He then implied that my career has been a net negative for esports, right? Essentially, sir, you're implying that... How, uh, here's my question to him. How many games of Timor make sexual harassment okay? That's the equation I'd like you to solve, sir. You resolve that fucking equation, cunt. Like, how could you even have the gall to say that, mate? At the end of the day, I've done some tweets and I've done a billion pieces of content. Like, the fucking... It's like, this the scales for me. Yours is, like I say, someone has to really think T-Mobile so was I, really worth it. I, I really, I really love one. this, too, because the way people, you know, formulate things, they're like... Oh, well, tweeting is the same as an action. So it's like, if I like or dislike this tweet, it is the same as $100 million in oh, harassment exactly. settlement. I'm exactly. like, okay. <laughs> You're like, I like this person because of the tweets they make. Therefore, it's okay that they kill people. It's like, no, that's that's not how it works. But apparently that is how it works to Zoomers. So just love that shit. Um, we'll move on. What is the all-time peak overrated team in CS slash LOL? Ooh, for LOL. Let's, he means all time, so it has to be like the most overrated team ever. Let me think. Who would that be? 2014 TSM probably is way up there. Does anyone really actually care about that team? Isn't that just only TSM fans who bring that one up for? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Let me think. I mean, I'm going to hurt people's feelings. No, I, I can't do that, actually. Here's the problem, because it, it has to really be someone mega overrated. Like, so for, it can't be like a champion who wasn't actually that good. It has to be someone who like had no business even being considered good ever. Let me think who it could be. Who would that be, though? Let me think. Surely there have to be some like Chinese super teams that were mega overrated in League of Legends. 
I mean, in theory, like LGD ended up being shit, didn't yeah. it? That was yeah. that was supposed to win worlds. If people don't know, that was I mean, it was a super team. Except the jungler was fucking garbage, but we forget him for the moment. Yeah, they were supposed to win worlds. By the way, that's actually even more egregious how bad they were. Because remember, they even had opposite style elite Korean top laners. They could just swap in and out. Like that should be like the fucking easiest win of all time, mate. That was like a real six man rotation. Even like holy shit. So they, that that was a shit the bed one for sure. I'm trying to think. Is there any Western team that was ever that ridiculous though? Because the problem is obviously like a million TSM Fnatic teams were overrated, but did anyone ever really go that far though? Let me think. Maybe like 2015 Origin or 2015 Fnatic when they both those oh, teams made this. Maybe tennis. 2015 Fnatic, because let's be real. Them going undefeated in the regular split, not even in the playoffs, just just didn't lose any games. People acted like they were going to win Worlds. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. Win Worlds. Like, and remember, it's not like they were sending bombs that year. They sent fucking SKT, KT, and the, and the Rock Tigers, essentially. Like, Korea was mega at that time. No, that was wild. Because the other thing they did as well, I remember now, is they just like, they made it sound like there was like that much between like, Fnatic and the Korean teams. They were close they got, compared to Western teams, but yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, cool. during that during that uh that match too, it was a 3-0, and like Smeb on the Tigers played reverse matchups yes. in top lane and smashed yes. both sides of the it was, match yeah. <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. Uh it was funny being in Belgium though, because the it was very quiet. It was I can tell you the, the obvious team for CSGO, and it's going to hurt people's feelings again. It's Cloud9 that won the CSGO major. Because here's the problem. They were really good, by the way, in that one playoff bracket. They weren't even, if people don't know this, in that whole tournament they weren't stomping. They started the major out going 0-2 in the system and were on an elimination point. But they came back, and yes, they played amazingly in the final. Here's the problem, though. That was the only day ever, I'm not exaggerating, that lineup was ever that good. I watched all of the... the people don't get this. They played like months and months before they played months and months afterwards and they were nowhere close to that level. They were like the fourth best team normally. And on that one day, they really were good enough to win the major. So the problem is, like the reason I, I can tell you this team is definitely overrated, Monty, is because, dude, people try to argue that the team Liquid that won the Grand Slam was the number one team in the world is like worse than this team because this team won the major. So their argument is winning one turn <laughs> once ever makes you better than the team that was and the real world number one for like four months. Also, you know, that... that final was like you know a couple rounds away from them losing they almost lost so. they, they, were, they were they were facing elimination point five of them yeah. in a row something or four yeah. in a row three. yeah exactly so yeah pe people just took what is by the way a brilliant story it's a great fucking narrative great but they, they took it in as, as as usual went way too far with it as a premise <laughs> if it had been a stomp in the final i think maybe you you could potentially make that argument but yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it was so close that it does seem kind of ridiculous Next is, and final question, for some ungodly reason, science has cloned Tyler won four times. Which current pro teams can this horrific team beat at league, assuming they don't kill each other? So here's the thing. I mean, he technically I, plays all the roles. So I know, that's what I'm saying. He he's, he's got the challenger in all the roles. That's, not, I, that's actually a good question as a result, though. <laughs> he does play the roles. So, so I, first off, uh, I think Tyler One's a great entertainer. I don't really know how good Tyler One is because here's the thing, guys. I never, ever, 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 ever watch streams. Okay, obviously, it was literally, literally the only thing I watch are professional games. I don't know, like people, people find this very weird, but I never watch like entertainer streams. I rarely even watch professional player streams because. I would always rather spend that time either doing something else or watching VODs of other professional regions in the world, right? Uh, so for me, 
I don't spend a lot of time doing that. So I, I honestly have no idea how good Tyler one is. Uh, I can say I would watch the shit out of that purely for my own entertainment. Like if he were to take on immortals or CLG or what have you TSM right now, I would watch that a thousand percent. That would be incredibly fun for me to watch, but because that doesn't happen and Tyler one doesn't hold any specific interest to me personally, uh, I, I don't really know. Um, and I am incredibly ignorant about what is going on on Twitch outside of professional esports matches. I literally have no idea ever. I don't know or care about the drama. I don't even know who's popular outside of like XQC. And like, I guess I know Tyler one's like the biggest streamer, but I, this is a huge, huge, like thing that I never touch. You know, it's the same shit as watching TV. I don't watch every TV show. I, I, I'm basically just watching the live sports on TV and I don't know what the, the latest like soap opera is. I have no clue. I have no clue. I mean, the obvious answer is there wouldn't be anyone, would he? He wouldn't actually be that good. Like, here's the problem you guys have. It's an obvious problem to have. You think that the worst player in the LCS actually sucks at League of Legends. You don't understand he is fucking rookie compared to you. So what you don't get is, I could take the worst players. In, and by the way, I see this in LEC all the time, Monty. Do you know how many times I see someone come in LEC, not be that good, go back down to ERLs and be absolutely the best player at their position and be like a fucking amazing looking player. So the real problem here is they don't realize how enormous the gap would be even between Tyler 1 and most of the LCS pros. Uh, there's so also a lot of anyone, questions where he spends so much of his time on his stream, like thinking about ways to be entertaining that that's probably like handicapping his actual ability to play the game oh, because being entertaining yeah. takes up at least part of his brain power. And so if he was not on stream, I think there'd be a lot of questions about what his skill ceiling would be. He's oh. obviously a very, he's obviously an incredibly he he grinds like a motherfucker. I think he plays somebody once said he like plays like 10,000 games a season, which is just absurd Respect. it's absurd uh so he has great work ethic and he obviously has some you know a good level of natural ability but it's just not like why would he do that when he can make more money than any professional player probably outside of like some very very high-end asian players um and maybe he might even make more money than them frankly i mean that guy makes so much money um so it doesn't seem like it's really in his best interest so there you go. That's the end. That's it. That's the end. See you next week. Dagda will be on. We'll talk about LPL and L LCS finals. Bye.